Welcome back to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal, and with me as always is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Last we left off, with the, the imprisoning war was about to begin. That That is indeed where we left off at the end of the second episode of the Tears of the Kingdom episode. <laughs> what a perfect uh, place to end an episode and begin it. Crystal, how long do you think this conflict goes on for? That is a great question. Not long enough for anyone to age. That's true. Um, visibly at least, uh, long enough for sages to appear that weren't around before, it seems like. Yeah, at least long enough for the Gerudo to name a new leader after they're like, no, Ganondorf's not the one. So I'm going to say about six weeks. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that could drag on for very long, given how overwhelmingly powerful Ganondorf's forces are. Recently, I played the game Gears of War Judgment. Okay. Which is set Which six- one is that? That is the uh, the prequel, the last one on the Xbox 360. Okay. It is sent six weeks after the appearance of the Locust Horde. But That's very early. But everyone's already used to it. Oh. <laughs> How used to it are they? They're already making jokes about Scratch 1, grow up. Oh, that- it took us a lot longer to start making jokes about COVID that way. Yeah. More than six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thinking about COVID, like, it first kind of reared its head around November of 2019, maybe October, but it really burst into the consciousness March? March or April. And six weeks from then was April or May. People had given up holding <laughs> up at that time already. How many people died on Emergence Day? Um, a quarter of the human population. A quarter of the human race. I guess the Gears guys making jokes about it just shows um, the deep resiliency that is a blessing to those who participate in the brotherhood of the military. I guess so. (laughs) And those humans were indigenous to that planet. It wasn't a colonized planet because they're cowards. Yeah, they're all all from the the planet Sarah. It would have been interesting if the humans weren't originally from there. That was my impression early on in the series. Nope, it's just an alternate Earth called Sarah. What does Sarah even mean? It's Ares backwards. Are you fucking with me? Is that the actual meaning? That's the actual meaning, because all the names are Greek stuff. It's a very Greco-Roman type setting. The huge. Just gotta invoke the Holy Roman Empire while we're out here. I mean, it's Marcus, right? Yeah, it's that's, Marcus Phoenix. That's true. <laughs> and Augustus Cole, now that I'm thinking yeah, of it. Yeah, Augustus Cole, Damon Bear, Dominic Santiago. This seems to bring another weird empire thing into the scenario then. Like, this is now Rome. Yeah. The coalition of ordered governments definitely has a kind of return-type architecture. Return? As in, return with a V to ancient Roman times when men were men. Uh, It's got that fash feel to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cog government is, like, textually fascist. That's right. It's a real interesting series in a lot of ways. Actually, I believe their ideology is called socialism. I'm sorry? That's uh, that's in the lore, in the paratext. Do tell. 
Now, they don't quite expand on the principles of socialism, but they do explain that it was a foundation for the Cog philosophy, which uh, there's a Cog creed. Let me look it up. I love how they spent some time quibbling with women in the setting and whether or not they exist and whether or not they can fight, because this is contemporaneous with thinking about whether women could participate in the U.S. Army. Yes, they introduced women <laughs> to the setting in Gears of War 3. Yes, but well, non-childbearing I mean, women. They, they were, it, the assumption is that anybody who participates on the front lines um, must not be able to bear children. That's right. Did you really have to? <laughs> All right, here's the Octus Canon, the founding principles of the coalition as handed down by the All Fathers and recited by every citizen. I am responsible for myself and my actions. I shall conduct myself honorably and live a clean and frugal life. I have responsibilities to my fellow citizens. I shall be loyal to them and humble because we are elements of a greater whole. And without them, I am nothing. I have responsibilities to our society. I shall understand and respect my place in it, defend it and work to make it prosperous so that I may receive society's protection, and that we may hand on safety and prosperity to future generations. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's the woman who wrote all the gear, the Gears of War uh, novels? That's Karen Travis. Karen Travis, the big Mandalorian head of the old school expanded universe. That's right. The she Spartan has, lady. She has a big thing for, like, military brotherhood pseudo-fascism. That's right. She was also the writer of Gears of War 3. You don't fucking say. <laughs> now, remind me, is Gears of War 3 the one where Dom shoots Maria, or is that Gears of War 2? No, that's Gears of War 2. And don't worry, if you really like that plot line, they bring it back for Gears of War 4. But this time, it's the whole story. How is it the whole story? Well, instead of Dom looking for his wife, it's about Kate Diaz looking for her mother. Well, I mean, that's... That's slightly different, I guess. Oh, but don't worry. At the end, she has to be tragically, tearfully euthanized. Oh, okay. Well, that's not as different as I thought it could be. Man. So you're, you're playing through all the Gears of Warses. That's right. How are you enjoying yourself? They're pretty good. They're not bad. They're fun video games to play. Yeah. I like the chainsaw. Chainsaw is cool. I got Monica to play through the first two games with me, I think, back, mm. back when they were current. I like, like the Pillar of Judgment. Yeah. Wait, the Pillar of Judgment? The, the Light of Judgment? The Hammer of Dawn? Nope. The Hammer of Dawn. Monica's yes. confusing this with uh, Kefka's laser spell <laughs> from Final Fantasy VI. It's the VI. same thing. It's pretty similar. The Hammer of Dawn is indeed pretty fucking sick. I used to have, I still have, I guess, an Eevee team. And it, for our listeners, <laughs> Monica means that she has a Pokemon team made up solely of Eevee evolutions. Yes. Uh, the setup was crafted by Cameron. The mechanic was built on uh, initially setting up a substitute with Umbreon and then swapping in for an Eevee that would use its Z, yeah, it Z a, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And call on the, the Eevee council and get stat ups. I think double stat ups or max up stat ups in that. Double stats and everything. Okay. And then. It would swap out for a Espeon that would then use uh, stored power in a manner that I would describe like the Hammer of Dawn or the Light of Judgment. 
because stored power has a base of 20. Yeah. But is powered up with each stat up. So when you use it, then it had a base power of 220. Good heavens. (laughs) Which is quite a lot in the Pokemon universe. Yeah, and with Baton Pass, you're carrying over those buffs as well. So it was very hard to kill. Yeah. That's really good. That's a good strategy. Thank you. It's it's a lot of fun to watch her use it. But yes, um, so if if Hyrule was like the cog... (laughs) Let's not... (laughs) Let's not be a cog in the cogwheel machine. Yeah, that society. Mm. Something, something. I wonder how much of the writing surrounding the cog in general was written by Karen Travis. Like, did she do the thing? With uh, this is mostly from the novels written by her. Yeah. Oh shit! So is she? It, she's not the one who came up with the breeding farms, though. I think she might have been the one to come up with the breeding farms. Mm, some. Some ladies just really like writing about that. Oh, I'm sorry, the birthing crush. <laughs> yes, the birthing crush. This is the don't bring your, your, your fetishes into your fiction, please, oh, to no, that she, degree. She has never stopped. Oh, wait, no, it looks like that was first introduced in comics by Joshua Ortega. That motherfucker. Okay. Dial it back. How about the things with the berserkers? Um, that, that was probably made by the people in the games. Okay, 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 okay. It's just that the more actual fash stuff comes from the Karen Travis books. She wrote most of the books. Yeah. She she did a lot of uh, Spartan-centered Halo novels, too, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I know we just started the Imprisoning War, but can we go back a minute? Did we go too far forward again? We should We should jump back a little bit in a couple of different places. Crystal, are you okay with this? Yes. Fuck. Okay, uh, the easier one to address, I think, is a little bit further back, which is just Memory 11, which is uh, Ganondorf riding majestically across uh, the, the unknown landscape with his horse. And it just struck me in looking at that cutscene, um, all the monsters and the horse do be having a horn. They do. They do have a horn. Um, but? But? In Breath of the Wild, no horns. No horns. Crystal, what happened to their horns? I think that the demons summoned by the Calamity are hornless, but the ones summoned by the Demon King are horned. Oh, I see. So the Calamity uses slightly less efficacious demons. That's right. Demon King's stronger. That stands to reason. And do we think that Gandorf has that, like, weapon curse. How Can we see any weapons in this scene? Are they functioning? No, they're all carrying wooden weapons. Okay. In that shot. I think that might work. Because it, it doesn't affect Zonai weapons, the no. curse. But any new crafted weapons it would affect. Probably. It sure doesn't affect his spear. Or the champion weapons, or... But anyway, their, their horns went away. I like Crystal's explanation that the the Calamity just summons different ones. So we got a gap of a million, billion, zillion years where they didn't have the horns, but now we're seeing them as they originally were with the horns. That's right. <laughs> okay, that was easy. Uh, the other thing is jumping back to the Molduga memory. Oh, boy. Which is way back. And just looking at the Great Plateau again. It's like memory... It's five, six, six. Okay. And the, the, what do you call them? Uh, 
like the, the walls, the wall, the edifice, the edifices of uh, the Great Plateau are still there. But actually, that's very interesting. They're standing on one right now, right? Yes. Okay, it has Zonine scripted on it. Yes. It really just struck me when I was loading up uh, Tears of the Kingdom and running around on the Great Plateau that the the structures set up as walls for the Great Plateau really are full-on buildings. They're like windows. fortifications. Yes. What struck her, Crystal, and let, let us know if this resonates with you, was that it looks like the Great Plateau itself used to be an enormous fortress that was filled in with dirt. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. Now, the question is, when was that fortress built? Yeah, because in the memory, it looks pretty pristine. And in the in the present time, it's definitely all, all decayed and ruined. So it wasn't ruinous looking at that time, but it definitely was embedded in the side of the plateau. The, the dirt had already been there for a long time. Well, it must have been built by the ancient Zonai then. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely not a uh, Raru's era did this kind of thing. This was all in the effort to sort of find a place for the for Raru's Hyrule Castle. And my end conclusion is maybe it is the castle. Like they just built it into the side of a hill or, or mountain. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, though. No. Not not to me. It definitely feels like uh, the stuff around the Great Plateau has been excavated. That's how it seems to me. It, it hints at a much older sort of building. I guess. But there's also that one area where there is like a gate with a very traditional um, particulus. Mm-hmm. Um, where you do uncover a, a buried... Bargainer statue. Bargainer statue, right. Yes, it used to be that 100 years ago or 10,000 years ago or however fucking long ago that you could go through the northern gate of the Great Plateau and just like walk up it and there was a series of stairs that you could get used to get onto the plateau proper. Hmm. But the Bargainer statue is there. The Bargainer statue is there, which means that it was... It's the only Barkiner statue we've ever seen that's actually found on the surface instead of being transported up there in a way that we know of. Mm-hmm. It does stop talking after you resolve the issue for it, for yes. the bigger one. So maybe it sent it up? I don't know. That's possible. Statues do be moving. Hyrule's weird. Okay. So we've got that. We've got the question of the edifice built into the sides of the Great Plateau. We've got... The, which is a question that's like, okay, it must be the ancient Zonai or possibly something even older. All we know is that it probably predates Raru's time. Yeah. And this kind of segues into the next memory that we're going to encounter because to some degree, the Forgotten Temple is set up that way too. It's built into the side of that canyon. Can you elaborate? Much like how whatever that the Great Plateau building is. Unless it was filled in afterwards. Right. It could be that it was just built into the side of the cliff face. Like the... Like the Forgotten Temple. Like the Eighth Heroine statue. No, the Forgotten Temple. Like both. Oh, oh I guess, yeah, the, the Eighth Heroine did have a something built there, didn't it? Okay. So it seems like they have a habit of building things into the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Makes it defensible. It does. 
but it also makes you wonder who they are in this context. Crystal, um, would you be willing to describe memory number 13 for us? There's one more thing that we skipped over last time. <gasps> oh my. Ganondorf, no, Rauru says, he just said that your people have, well, hold, let me get the line exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus Lord. <laughs> I understand that a single male is born to the Gerudo every 100 years. Uh-huh. Uh, I really thought that shit was dead, you know? I thought we had left that behind in Ocarina of Time, that it was just a one-off thing, and here Raru comes dragging that shit back up out of the ether. It is... What do we make of this now? Because that, that's not the language that they've been using for 20, almost 25 years. It seems that a gorilla male is born once every hundred years. <laughs> Does that imply that at any given time, there's probably a Gerudo male somewhere? No, because Ganondorf is still alive. I don't think... What? I Those should... Those shouldn't be mutually... Ex like, him existing doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't be able to get another one. I feel like the Gerudo male is always a reincarnation of the last one. Do we have any, like, text for that? No, none at all. Okay. Because, I mean, Death Sword is still around while Ganondorf... It, but, right, we've already established your He's view that shades can exist. <laughs> right. Death Sword is the tyrant's shade, so to speak. If every male Grudo was effectively a guy who uh, might be the Demon King, I feel like the Grudo would have, like, objected collectively a lot sooner. Maybe they weren't so bad before Ganondorf. But if they're all the same person, does that mean you hold that Ganondorf wasn't so bad? Well, I'm not saying they're all the same person. They're just, uh... Reincarnations. Yeah. They're just the same person. Does it mean you're the same person? You can change. Do people ever really change, Crystal? Yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That, that, I, I don't know what to make of the line. Okay, wait, Crystal, are you saying that for the last million billion years, there hasn't been a single male Gerudo born because Ganondorf was still alive? That is what I am saying, yes. That in the 10,000 year gap, and the entire age of the Calamity and untold antiquity before that, there had never been a male Gerudo. That, to me, is the cleanest explanation for why there's no male Gerudo in Breath of the Wild. I I think that a, a, a possible explanation for not seeing a male Gerudo at that time, though, is that the Gerudo took in their practices to, to exclude men from all important aspects of society, including uh, access to the, the key town of the Gerudo. You know, I actually had a thought about this. Um, Monica, I think I already talked to you about it, but this uh -huh. might be new for you, Crystal. Um, I was going to talk about it when we ended up getting to Gerudo Town, or at least Terry Town, but I might as well hint at it a little bit now. My idea is that Gerudo men are still being born, and that there is one extant in the world right now. We, we, we don't know who he is, but... My idea, based on how Gerudo raised their girls, is that he might not know who he is either. Okay. Because every Gerudo is brought back to Gerudo Town to grow up once she's old enough to live apart from her mother, right? Uh-huh. There's a person specifically who goes out to pick them up. Yes. But you could not do that with a Gerudo son, because Vo aren't allowed 
in Gerudo Town. <laughs> this sounds like a great way to create a demon king. No, 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 no. Let me, let me keep going. Let me keep going. <laughs> the simplest solution for this is that nobody's going to see even a really huge guy with brown skin and go, oh, that's a male Gerudo. They're going to look at him and go, oh, I guess he's from Luralin or something. And also, he's huge. <laughs> even so with his my, flaming red hair? Yes, even with his flaming red hair. So what I would like to suggest is that for the past million billion years, according to the society that's laid out in Tears of the Kingdom, that Gerudo men are just raised as Hylians. Like Tauro. Yes, like him. He would be one of the ones that I point out and go, yeah, that's, a, that's possibly a Gerudo man right there. He is very big. He's huge and jacked, just preternaturally jacked for a guy who's actually very sickly and just very bookish on top of it. He's very into ancient ancient artifacts, which really made me very suspicious. Yes, that is a very much Ganondorf type of habit to have. He's introduced like a major character, even though he yes. isn't. Right. right. Which was so suspicious. He's actually one of my favorites just because he's such a fun red herring for Monica in particular. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Toro is the current Gerudo male. I'm saying that he fits the image of what a Gerudo male raised as a Hylian could be. Because if you're Vo, you're simply not Gerudo. And that's it. That that that's my ex- That would be my explanation for why we don't see any Gerudo men in Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom without doing that thing that I do where I look at the uh, shopkeeper at the Gerudo secret shop and lean in and go, they describe themselves as an outcast for a reason. Okay. Um, but what about the Gerudo male being king by birth? I don't think that's a thing anymore at this point. I think that Gandorf dissuaded them of this notion, but I don't know how this plays in with Ocarina of Time. <laughs> Oh, we get to talk about Ocarina of Time later. We I get know. to talk about all the other Ganon times later. Hey, Crystal, but, what's happening with Ganon? How'd Ganon show up in Ocarina? Raru refers to Ganon as a king by birth. Yes. So why wouldn't Gerudo males be kings by birth? Well, because Ganon happened. Okay. I think that... that they talk- realized it was a bad idea. Bad idea. They learned, <laughs> you know what? Kings who are beholden to no one... Not a great idea. Yeah, I, I will simply not embrace the child and hope that he does not burn down the village to feel its warmth. Well, the other thing is that you could just kill them. I guess that is could. the morose assessment. That that the simplest solution to this problem is that you kill every uh, male-born Gerudo. But I don't think this is that kind of setting. I think we're much more likely to get a kind of setting where Toro has a Gerudo mother. I'm very amused with that possibility because it does mean that they sneakily put in a good Grudo male that a lot of people wanted. Uh huh. It just wasn't the one that they wanted. Right. I mean, Toro's such a cute boy. Suspiciously cute, says Monica. But that, again, I don't think that's actually what's happening. It's just how I would be doing it if I and I was trying to like interpret the rest of the setting and arrive at the question: How are they born? So we've got from Crystal. You're saying they're just not born. Yeah. But if they haven't been born for a million billion years, where did Ocarina of Time Ganondorf come from? That's a great question. And why do they even remember that Gerudo can ever be men if they haven't been born for a million billion years? That's a great question. So, uh, and we, we, I think that all three of us can agree, it's not super likely that they're just killing all the male-born Gerudo. Yeah. That'd be dark. 
That'd be dark in a way that Zelda usually isn't. Oh, Crystal, did you did you see that um, that fan art that I sent? The dark fantasy fan art. Yes. It was a bit much for me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, okay, please, please, please describe Memory Thirteen for us. Raoru is in the Forgotten Temple at Sonia's grave, graving her. Zelda comes up and says, "Hey." I think that Ganondorf might be the mummy that I found in the future. <laughs> what a thing to hold back till now. What a thing to not be sure about. And uh, since this is the eve of Rauru going into battle against the Demon King, Zelda wants to make sure that Rauru knows. Because? That because Rauru will not be able to defeat him outright. He will only be able to seal him. Which means that Rauru probably dies. I originally thought that she already intuited, you know, that arm, that severed arm was his. But we have a very clear moment in the cutscene where she looks at his arm and goes, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's the arm. Uh, I better kind of tell him about that, too, but not directly. Well, I guess she just put it out of her mind. She's getting to know her dad. And on the eve of catastrophe, she thinks, oh, shit, my dad's about to die. Yeah. I, I do like that Raru says that he agrees with Ganondorf that it is actually his hubris that caused all of this and that it is his place to atone, not anyone else's. And definitely when he talks about the responsibility of a leader, because Tears of the Kingdom really is a discussion about what a king or ruler or, or leader governance. is. Governance is. And that... I think even Ganondorf takes on the, I must make these decisions for my people, my people right? And it's, it's to, to lead uh, attacks or to defend and to put yourself foremost in that uh, action. You must embody the people. Mm-hmm. And Raru's going for a very latter-day Hyrule thing where a king's primary purpose is actually to stand between the people and destruction. Which is strictly, uh, it's the most fantastical element of the Zelda series. But I have affection for it. Because there's just something about a king. Ganondorf, the demon king, he creates the demons, right? I mean, we've kind of assumed so. The demons are born of him. It seems to be. So he's kind of like God. He is kind of like God. Yeah. And we know that that the demons are capable of enjoyment. True. So it is his duty as a god and a king <laughs> to make sure the Bacoblins can drink fruit juice. Yes. He's got to get them their little juice boxes. I think in effect, though, like Ganondorf has his usual thing where he claims one thing, but he acts very contrary to it. Because he doesn't really care about the Grudo. No. And takes on actions drastically bad for the Gerudo. I think that's part of why they lead in with it's like, ah, the last free Gerudo city has fallen. Yeah, yeah. So, and he doesn't really care about the fact that Moblins are very happy, I don't think, unfortunately. What I really like about this memory is that it starts off with, I guess, the troops, the Hylian people carrying around what looks like a rocket or something and cooking with a temporary um, cook stove. Oh yeah. Polishing their weapons. They've set the forgotten temple into a, I guess maybe a last line defense. Yeah. They have definitely fallen back here. Yeah. It makes me wonder at this plan to 
attack Gandorf tomorrow. What does it make you wonder? Wh- how and why there? You mean how do they intend to attack him? Yeah. I think they know where he is. Yes. They just intend to go to him. Right. And why there? Because that's where he is. <laughs> why is Ganondorf I, there? Maybe a better question. Where is Ganondorf? We know where he is. Where? We know exactly where he is. He's right <laughs> under the castle. Where the castle will be. Yes. Why there, though? And is he actually under it at the moment? Yes. Is he not on the surface? No, they fight what? underground, don't they? Okay. They do. But why is he so far down? I think he wants to infect the earth. That's an interesting thought. My thought, and this is a discussion I've been having with Cameron as we look at the end game, but my thought is that he actually, in the way of, of demon kings or demons, emerged from underground. Ganondorf. Uh-huh. Uh, the guy from the desert. Yes. He, in his attack on Hyrule, bursts out in the center of Hyrule. But that's not true. Ganondorf, as he launched his attack on Hyrule, came from the Great Plateau. That's, that's Gandorf as a Gerudo. No, but Ganondorf, the Demon King, was born on the Great Plateau when he ate the secret, or when he took the secret stone. Yes, but there's incursions. This is a whole war. Also, he summoned demons from the sky. Yes. With the Blood Moon. He is a much more heavens-oriented Demon well, King. Well, there's, there's two directions that one could come from <laughs> to go deep into the earth as he was underneath what would eventually be Hyrule Castle. Why would he bury himself there? I don't think he was burying himself. Okay, then why did he go up there? It's a great question. There's only two ways. I guess you could come in from the side. What's your... uh, You keep saying there's only two ways. You have yet to offer an explanation for why you think he's doing this. I, I think that it makes sense that he was... Because the fortifications must have been alongside where the Grudo front was. Yes. And he just... You mean the, the fortifications on the side of the Great Plateau? Yes. The Hylian army and whatever would have been over there. And he does a surprise thing, which is emerge from the ground deep below the very center of Hyrule. Wait, I know why. Go why? ahead. There's a lot of valuable stuff down there, like Zonite. I mean, that's, that is also true. There is a bit of Zonite there. Or do you mean like the depths in general? The depths in general... So yeah, he he does also have his minions mining zonite even in modern times. Yeah. He just goes down here and he's like, "Hey, free enormous base where nobody can get me. I can grow all my demons here. I can do my mining. I can build up my army." I think a couple of things with that though. Firstly, is that I I guess that would set the the depths. Yeah, that that makes sense, but. The depths below what would become Hyrule Castle are... Are deeper. Much deeper. It's not just that. They're also geographically completely isolated from the rest of the depths. The moat that is around Hyrule Castle is an impenetrable wall of stone in the depths. You have to approach from above to get there. It is the most defensible position in Hyrule. But when you go down there... You keep going for a while. You sure. go frigging two kilometers, 2.5 kilometers underground. And a game would scale like this, yes. And there's no bottom that we know of there. Well, I wanted to talk about that once we actually I know, there. but you're, you're, you're pushing me on I'm this. not. 
Well, you're asking me like why yeah. I think that he came from below, then that's why, because the depths keep going there. That doesn't explain why Ganondorf would go down there. I think that Crystal's much closer to a why when they mention that it's a very defensible location. So it's top down. Yes. But why into the center of Hyrule? Because that is the place from which to rule the center. It's the deepest spot. Okay. It's the deepest spot. It's the most defensible. They had to get to the center of Hyrule and fight past all of Ganondorf's forces to get to the base of his... Think of it as an inverted tower. Instead of Ganondorf's tower, it is his rabbit burrow. (laughs) Ganondorf's got a burrow. Yeah, he's he's wound wart down there. If you think about the Muso version of this assault, you have to fight all the way through the field... Mm. Then you have to jump down into the castle hole for like two kilometers and fight through that. And then you have to fight through Gandorf's base at the bottom. Yep. Okay. That that sounds good. Yeah, that's 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 what I was talking about. Too. No, no, I, I you, you both have convinced me. Okay. That's the direction that makes sense. Now, there are a lot of questions that are brought up by everything that's in the depths down there. But I think that can wait till we actually get to it. Okay. Uh, Raru does show also that he doesn't know how time travel works. That's true. (laughs) He says that he will rely, all of them must rely on your knight and that legendary sword he carries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because he's the one who has to defeat Ganondorf in the future if if he cannot do so today. Yes. What a thing to say. And what's the next line that he has? That was a future where you never appeared in this world and you are here now. And I think, yes, this is why he could never keep up with Sonya. Because she never told him how time travel works. She was always here. She was always here. What a thing to leave out to your husband. This did confuse a lot of people. Sonya's relationship with Raru is very complicated. Uh, Can you you elaborate on it confusing people, Monica? Um, A lot of people thought that it was the other sort of time travel. What's the other sort of time travel? Where she did only appear in this instance. Instead of always being, it's, that is a closed loop. Now, Crystal, you see this as a closed loop. Yes. Because when Ganondorf wakes up, he goes, oh, hey, Zelda, and you must be Link. That's right. He's heard of them. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's previously met Zelda, and he sees Link right there, and he knows the sword that seals the darkness, which means that Zelda brought all that information back to the past already. That's right. Not to- yeah, not to mention the murals have been carved already, even if we can't see them. Yeah. Although some people have been able to break it early. Well, in any case, uh, Raru simply doesn't understand how this shit works. His wife never explained it to him. Hylia didn't think it was important for him to know. His actual purpose here is to seal the Demon King. But I understand what he's trying to say, that maybe Zelda has a greater purpose than simply informing them of the future. Yes. Zelda takes that to heart. Oh boy, does she ever. I have a reason for being here? She has such big-ass eyes in this sequence. Look at that poor baby. She's about to watch her dad die. Him his giant hair. Him his giant hair. His short little legs. His little baby (laughs) legs. Baby leg having motherfucker. Looks like Roger from American Dad. Looking like fucking, yeah, Roger ass. He's like all ass down there. Short legs, long ass. Uh, the good thing is we have some time savings on Memory 14 because we have discussed the first part of it. Minru uh, recounts the legends of the Zonai as believed by them. 
Oh yes, uh, memory fourteen. We did. Th this is the memory that's relayed to Link by Monero. Yes. Well, Crystal, can you read it for us anyway? Okay. Long ago, my people, known as the Zonai, came down from the heavens to the surface of the world. It was said they were descendants of gods. They bore treasures from these same gods, secret stones capable of amplifying the abilities of those who possessed them. Using the knowledge of the Zonai, my younger brother, Rauru, became a great leader. He met a young woman named Sonia, and they would wed. Rauru gifted Sonia one of the secret stones. Together, they sought to establish their kingdom. This is how the kingdom of Hyrule, with Rauru and Sonia as its first king and queen, came to be. The future looked bright. However, tragedy suddenly struck. The leader of the Gerudo, Ganondorf, killed Queen Sonia and stole her secret stone. Using the secret stone, Ganondorf transformed into the Demon King. He then created swarms of monsters and attacked. Hyrule rose up to face these threats, but the evil power driving the monsters forward was staggering. The defenders were on the brink of defeat. Rauru then came up with a plan to turn the tide of the war. He entrusted secret stones to warriors with exceptional abilities. They became sages and united in an effort to finally defeat the Demon King. Rauru and the sages outnumbered the Demon King and should have been able to stop him. However, the Demon King's power had grown far beyond anything we could have imagined. I was unable to withstand his strength. Our fight appeared all but lost. And then, Rauru, he committed himself to one final act. And this is where we actually see the ending of that fight. Yep. Which are... How does the sequence go, Crystal? Rauru decides to charge up the immortal Iron Fist, and he sticks it in Ganondorf's chest. Oh, I mean, yeah, that that's fair. I like the bit where the sages all just throw their weapons, which are actually really badly corroded here, so they're not immune to the corrosion. No, they aren't. I mean, everybody's corroded, basically. <laughs> yeah, Zelda's tore up, too, pretty badly. She's covered I in burns I can't believe she went. I mean, I, it's... You'd think she was going to let them go without her? I guess not, but... Wow. She probably, the significance of her lineage or bloodline or whatever was kind of withheld. Yes. I like all of them throwing their weapons and Ganondorf either dodging or smacking them aside before Zelda uses recall to fling them all at the back of his head. Specifically, Rauru uses the fuse power to fuse his hand to Ganondorf's chest. <laughs> Is that what happens? Yes. Oh, shit. Let me see here. Because I'm, I'm, oh, he is. He's got the lines on him. Oh, he's got the third eye open. They're swinging. Oh, oh, that is kind of the fuse power, isn't it? Oh, is that what that is that what that symbol means? Fuse? I think so. Or is that light? I think it's light. But I mean, we never really discussed the origins of fuse anyway, and maybe that is the light-based. That would make sense. Ganondorf says, "You bind my heart and steal my magic. You plan to hold me here. What a clever way to solve your problems." Thousands of years will pass in the blink of an eye. You only delay the inevitable. So this establishes that they are not conscious during mm -hmm. the ceiling. Yeah. They're asleep. I, I like the... Uh, Rara really is, like, sucking up, I guess, the magic or whatever of Ganondorf. And that's, like, being purified out of his back. So bad air goes into the air purifier and clean air comes out on the back. 
Yes. The lotus rising out of sewage. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed by this dialogue. Why? <laughs> because Bro's like, you know, this guy's going to show up. He's going to be really cool. Remember his name. And Dan was like, all right, I'll remember. It's a little bit embarrassing. And Raru dies. He straight up fucking dies. Or do you think that he was alive for a long time as part of the seal, Crystal? Yeah, I think he was alive and he rotted away. So it's like he manages to last as long as he does through the power of his secret stone. But filtering out Ganon's magic literally corrodes him bodily. Yes. That would make sense. Gandorf is fine, though. Ganon's, well... He's not at his best when we find him. <laughs> uh, so Rory's memories end here, too. So he doesn't know anything that happens after the fact, which right. is something I like about the start of the game. He makes a lot of observations about things, but he doesn't know Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Zelda? He's just kind of confused about the whole thing and wistful and watching at how things have broken. And yeah, and shit's in the gone. sky. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck is happening? I think at this point, um, we can go into memory 15, but but I guess we can discuss immediately after that battle. Do we see anything happening between 14 and 15 where Zelda gets the Master Sword? Um, well, that's th- that 15 is the one where she decides to go speak to Maneru, right? Yes, that, and with, that is memory 16. So it's like, do we think that anything is happening after Raru's death? Yes. Well, Crystal, what do you see as the potential fallout of the death of the King of Hyrule and the end of the imprisoning war? There's no monarchy anymore. (laughs) Indeed, there is not. Not for a while. How does that work? I guess it's kind of like uh, the... Actually, I don't know enough to speak about that. Hold on. What? The first emperor of China. I don't think he really had a dynasty. Right. That would make sense. I think it kind of fell into shambles, but I think he did have kids. I mean, initial um, unifications of a given country do tend to be that way. Maybe the ministers take over. I they actually, ministers? I guess they could be ministers. I mean, the sages are kind of like that, right? Yeah, the sages are still there. They're, they're at least leading their own peoples. Council of sages. Yeah, the sageocracy that we theorized um, in the question episode. But... When did the when did the royals come back into it? Oh, it took a long time. But they also that castle was built relatively yeah. yeah, the castle was built relatively soon after Raru was sealed. I do see a decision like we better uh stop her up this stuff with but, something else on top. But then maybe the castle wasn't built that quickly. It would take time. Because there's that yeah, that's the work of generations. Especially because they've got to work on building all the way up from where Ganon is sealed to the base of the castle. Mm-hmm. Because it's all shared architecture. The architecture is really strange, and we could definitely examine it. Once we it, get to the start <laughs> but of there's, the game. There's parts that look more uh, highly conventional, and then there's definitely like very Zonai-looking things down there. Yeah, like there's statues of Raru on the way down. Yeah. Or near enough to. Or Zonai, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that Zelda is meeting with the sages just yet. No. No, that comes after she talks to Monero. Okay. After she comes to her decision. Memory 15. Tell me about Memory 15, Crystal. Zelda is standing at the Temple of Time, contemplating everything that's just happened, watching the gears turn. 
<laughs> and she heads outside to a podium where there's her a, stones glowing. Her stones glowing. There's a mysterious yellow light, and out of it comes the master sword. It's interesting to me because the way that she looks around as she steps out the the backside of the Temple of Time suggests to me that she's never been here before. No. Yeah, because you have to do a rewind and jump on the gears, and who does that? <laughs> her, and her alone, and Sonya. And Link. She really seems surprised by this. Almost as if it was set up by someone else. Yeah, it's it's weird because it is literally a rewind. Like, the, the background goes gray. We hear the reversal sound. It's emanating from her, and she's in color. So it's is of her, but she seems very surprised that this happened. How do you interpret that? She is instinctively using her power in ways she does not fully understand. I think that's a way to definitely uh, look at it. Is it possible that she is being... Not puppeted, but is it possible that Hylia is acting, or Sonia, or Hylia through Sonia? That this or was Hylia all through Zelda. <laughs> that this was all set up by a different power. I think it's possible. And what is subconscious anyway, right? <laughs> I guess the Master Sword's all fucked up. And how, like, the Master Sword wasn't here. the The principle of recall is that you go to the history of the sword or the the object. And you tell it to go back to where it was. Right. The Master Sword was never here until it was here. Well, Zelda was never here until she was here and she made it. Yeah, that one didn't do the weird, like, the actual recall effect. That we heard. That we heard. I don't know. But so the I'm Master Sword fused with this emote of light. And this emote of light is here, so that means the Master Sword <laughs> was here. Yep, stands to reason for me. This emote of light is eternal and outside of time. Okay. Yeah. I buy it. That's time travel. That's just time travel. Also, the Master Sword can do time travel anyway. That's yeah. Kind of its whole it's, thing. It's not held in one place, really. Now, here's an interesting question. No, no, we shouldn't do that yet. We shouldn't do that yet. Okay. Um, Zelda can hear Fee. Fi? What are we calling her? I say Fi. Crystal says Fee. We can, she can hear the sword. Yeah. She said she couldn't at the end of Breath of the Wild. But she can hear it again. Maybe she wasn't talking. She, as at the very least had her spiritual awakening again. I know why I am here. It's like, shit, girl. You're telling I like me... how she did. She says to the Master Sword, you're telling me that Link is safe? You traveled through time to find me and recover your strength. Yeah. I really like that that was the message delivered. <laughs> what revelation does Zelda have here, Crystal? She knows why she is here. She needs to recharge the Master Sword. It's something only she can do, supposedly. That's yeah, because of the sacred power within her. I have to agree with Monica that they really should not have done the flashback to the conversation with Mineru here. Yes, they should yeah. not have. <laughs> and you really shouldn't have the immortal dragon line too here. Yeah. Like it's it's it it that's like the second or third time, and there will be more times. To become an immortal is to lose oneself, and that's it. Yeah, and you could leave out dragon. Yeah, <sighs> but yeah, didn't need that. But it's fine. This, it's okay. this is for eight-year-olds, and they don't assume that you'll get all the memories. Except that you have to get all the memories to get the sequence where this actually has a payoff. So, <laughs> I don't fucking don't. know. Um, yeah, you do. No, you can just get up there. No, no, no. You don't actually see uh, memory uh, 17 unless you get all the other memories. You get memory 18? 18 is the last one, and that's what you get for pulling the Master Sword. But you could get 18 before 17. Yes, I know. I'm saying that this pays off in 17. 
which you can't get without getting all the memories. So they didn't have to repeat all this shit. Yeah. Zelda's voice and comment that Link must find her reverberates through time. Yes. All the way to the early trailers. (laughs) Well, no, and also it's heard by Link. Is it? Yes. I don't remember. That's that's what drives the Fine Princess Zelda quest. Oh, I see. Oh. Are you sad now? I'm sad now. Sad now because it's a sad part. It's okay. Spoilers, it's okay. Um, the girl goes through a lot. Memory 16. Oh, yes. Here's the big one. Well, a big one. Man, Minero's sure to get fucked up much harder than Zelda did. Yes. She's gonna effing die. I don't know why I'm so, like, sweary today. You didn't swear, though. You said F. I held it back. Zelda explains what happened to Minero and says that even the smallest piece of the Master Sword was able to hurt the Demon King... So we should uh, we should recharge it with my sacred power. Yeah. I mean, there but was it like would that. take centuries for the sword to grow strong enough. How how can we do that when you can't live centuries? It's like, that's really hard. You're going to live to be like 80. Maybe 100. I mean, technically, I guess if the Deku tree is alive during this time, she could put the sword there. I don't know what state it would be in. I, clearly, I guess they imply not good enough. Yeah. Also, it's not clear that the that the Deku tree exists in this period. Yeah. And Zelda's like, I can think of one way to do it. <laughs> Minero gets very upset at the idea that Zelda would do the forbidden act. But she doesn't have time to be too upset because she's very sick. I love that her chair, which looks like stone, is a recliner. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> she leans back in and it's suddenly reclining. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I, I don't know... It's just like a very weird moment because I try to look at intentions, I guess. They really want to show Mineru looking sick or feeling sick. And how best to convey that? She really needs to go back. And how is she going to do that? The chair is reclining. That's just how it is. Mineru's like, you won't be able to change back. And Zelda's like, I don't care. As soon as I had that sword, I knew what I had to do. It's why I came to this era. Do you think... She subconsciously knew, or Hylia did this shit? It's did Sonia do this? I think. Hmm? Her reasoning. Okay. You were saying, Crystal? Minero resolves to help Zelda in whatever way she can. In the brief time she has left before the gloom kills her. Well, even beyond that, because she's the sage of, of spirit. Yes. She got real fucked up. I like how Minero says that because she is Zonai, she also shares blame for these events. It is the Zonai Stone. Yes, it's the Zonai Stone, but all of this also happened because the Zonai decided that it was okay to build a kingdom here. <laughs> yeah. And she was the advisor to the king. She may be completely fucked up by the gloom, but her nail polish still on point. Oh, I didn't even notice. It is quite nice. Like, she'll keep going even after she dies. And Zelda's a lot more at peace with that, I guess, after watching her mom and her dad die. It's actually pretty intense, the number of people who are dying. <laughs> yes. Or have died in a sh- fairly short span of time. Yeah. Slight segue, uh, it's time for some accounts from the Chamberlain. Is it? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. W- w- which one is this? Number 10, for the hero's sake, because this is sort of like the end game of planning what to set up for Link. And I think this is the point where they determine, hey, how are we going to help Link in the future? 
And Zelda must have disclosed a little bit more in that Link gets hella beat up and is going to need some time to recover. Actually, I don't even know how the arm... It's the arm that whisks him away. But anyway, they determine he's going to need to recover somewhere where the Demon King can't reach him. Uh, the, the most logical way to do that is to raise a part of the world up. Yeah. And protect it under a, a cloud veil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that can be uh, his little training environment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, account number 10 for the hero's sake. Since her founding has Hyrule such hardship I have seen... But that has been only a small moment in time. Mineru, the king's older sister, says of this kingdom that it should not unaware be caught, not even forth for future. Princess Zelda tells her that this future be writ already, that a champion born from the sky will come. Between the two, they made it they made to find a way this champion in that distant time to help. Her mind true sought they to upraise the Temple of Time into the sky to ward it against evil. All done so in far distant day, our kingdom might be saved. In my heart, I would help much, and I asked of Mineru, Can you devise the means to uprise into the sky this stone? Mine words, I see not how, but they these memories keep safe of the royal family, high in the sky for that future time. Damn, Impa. <laughs> I guess Zelda knows that the future is written. In a sense. How did Zelda know that Link would come from the sky? She just knows this shit. Well, no, she knows this shit because that's her plan. Because she's going to do it. She's going to make it happen. Okay, cool. It's easy. That's kind of prophecy. It's easy to talk about what will happen in the future when you're the person making the future happen. That's that's some Hylia shit. What's your take on that, Crystal? How does she? How can she speak so confidently? Because she's going to make it happen. Okay. Woo. Woo. Uh, as part of the planning, Zelda also goes around and makes packs with the sages. Uh, each of the sages has... It's almost like word for word. It's it's all very similar. Yes. In most cases, word for word the same. Uh, soon after, or sometime after, Gandorf was sealed. A visitor arrives. Each of the sages are in their, their temples, which are already there. And Zelda talks about this cool guy in the future who will show up and... You know, can you help or your people help? And they all commit their descendants and the awakening of the sage at that time. Hey, Crystal, do you remember how Zora's domain in Breath of the Wild was said to have been built about 10,000 years ago? That's right. <laughs> you know how the sage of water is spoken to um, in the, I, I guess it's the water temple that's high above the high above uh, the Lanayru region? Aye, aye. <laughs> That Zora's domain isn't there yet. Nope. Okay. Cool. It's also worth noting, it's really funny, but she speaks to the Goran uh, ancestor, of course, in the Fire Temple, which is in Gorondia, deep underground, and there's like little ember flames around, and she's not on fire. So. Yeah, she's, she's just tough like that. <laughs> I, I'm sure she had an elixir or something. Yeah. Um, the Grudo sage does remark that Gandorf was our chief before he changed and that uh, they wish nothing more than to defeat the Demon King because we are responsible for his very existence in this world, and we must make amends for that. Which, it's not their fault. I mean, I cannot blame a people for look for producing the devil and going like, well, we gotta fix that. But getting rid of monarchy. It's kind of a theme of collective guilt with the Zonai and the Garuto. Yeah. It's almost the same wording, too, yeah. 
it's interesting that the Hylians managed to escape from that collective guilt. <laughs> Even though, from my perspective, it's most likely Sonia who's the actual person guiding things. Well, she doesn't have to apologize. She, she died. <laughs> I, and I guess... I have some ideas about the Hylians in this setting, but it has to wait just a little bit longer. That's the great thing about being dead. You don't have to admit that you're wrong. <laughs> uh, that's a fact. That that's you're you're you you are saying truths. So uh, these plans all established, and I guess setting the constructs and programming them, and setting aside a pair of pants, not a shirt, for Link. In the Temple of Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zelda goes off on her own and starts te- uh, Memory 17. And the, the Temple of Time is still on the surface here. Yeah, it is still on the surface as of this point. Crystal, what yes. happened in this memory? Zelda is back where she found the Master Sword. She is calmly looking into the sky and remembering all that's happened. And she looks into her Nintendo Switch professional <laughs> where the spirit of Mineru goes in. <laughs> yep, that does happen. Because Mineru's dead. And she says, Mineru, I'm counting on you. And she hands the Nintendo Switch Pro to a steward construct. And then she grabs, she looks at the Master Sword and says, Link, I will restore the Master Sword for you. I will pour my sacred power into it. It will be the weapon that defeats the Demon King. And she looks at her sacred stone and she she eats it. Swallows it in one go. It's awfully big to just swallow like that. That couldn't have been easy. No. It's like one of them horse pills they uh, get you to take. And at this point, the whole world loses color around her. The clouds come by. The sky darkens. What do you call it when uh, the nature reflects the the character's feelings? Um, I'm not sure. There's a literary trope. This does happen with Zelda sometimes, though. Yep. And what happened then, Crystal? Well, at first, nothing seems to happen. There's a, there's a pause, dramatically. Then she bursts with the power of light, and she stumbles over to make sure she grabs the Master Sword before she transforms. And she holds the Master Sword to her chest, and she starts, it looks like she's about to cry as she's about to transform, and her eyes become dragon eyes, and she turns into a dang dragon and flies into the sky. I really like that line, you must protect them all. Yeah. Also, uh, the, the bit where her eyes transform is actually more than I thought we would ever get out of storytellers at Nintendo for this character. Yeah. This like, is the best cutscene in the series. Yeah. Ooh. There's something there's something in it that hinge that it's it's not quite grotesque, but it's got that sort of fantastical celestial horror to it. I want to hear Crystal Crystal, why do you think this is the best cutscene in the series? Just like Cam was saying, the celestial horror of the dragon, they really communicate that why Monero would consider this to be like a horrible thing. It looks painful. It it seems like this terrible thing that has to be done. And the dragon is weeping. Yes. And it has been weeping nonstop the entire time. I don't know if it's weeping the whole time. Every time you see the fucking thing, it's crying. Is in it? Every cutscene. Oh, that's sad. Yes. It's just been living in sorrow the entire time. That's rough. Yeah, sure is. I think some people, cynics, do say, you know, she's going to get better. I mean, obviously. This, this, this cutscene really makes you think, well, she doesn't think it's going to be better. No. And it's a choice she openly makes. And we are 
it's an effective cutscene because for a moment we're like, well, what if it doesn't get better? It's not about whether or not it gets better to me. To me, it's just about her being willing to make that sacrifice to do this and then never come back. The and in my heart, of course, that this game would end with Zelda getting fixed and she would be together with Link because this <laughs> is a game for eight-year-olds. But <laughs> this moment was like, damn, now Zelda's a dragon forever and she can't be with Link anymore. It was yeah. so sad. And she's very sad because she knows that. And the fact that she's sad is the actual point. Yeah. I think it, the, you can, in that moment, embody those eight-year-old feelings. You can believe it. Yes. In that moment. Uh Zelda, I guess, in this moment goes up above the magical cloud veil. Because when we, when the clouds part, she's not there. Right. And the sages are on the ground watching on. And that's interesting because in, this is the only explanation they give for why we never see Zelda. It's like she's up there. She's past the mystical cloud barrier and has been since time immemorial. It also, you know, it kind of implies that when the other dragons disappear up there in the portal... They're, they're going past the Cloud Veil. It does kind of apply that, doesn't it? Yes. Which happens in Breath of the Wild. Yes. Uh, do we think Memory 18 happens at any particular time? Is it now? Is it? Did she just like encode a message to Link? I think that's what she's thinking in there the whole time. This is her mm. eternal dream. Aw. Okay, Crystal. Tell us this, the last memory. Zelda's inside a, a massive light... And she says to Link, Link, the Master Sword, your sword, she is the key to destroying the Demon King. He defeated her before, but a long slumber will heal these grievous wounds. And when you two next face the Demon King, you'll have my strength to help you through her. Yeah. This sword reaches you in the future. Oh, yes, she, she hopes... Or praise. She prays pray. that. Yes, yeah. I pray that the sword reaches you in the future. What a nice memory. So that's what she casts into the future. That's the one hope that she carries as a dragon. That and separation from herself and from everything. Yeah. Is this the best version of Zelda the character? It's the uh, most developed. What's your thought, Crystal? Yeah, it's one of the best. I mean, I, I still have a really soft spot for spirit tracks, and that's probably still like my go-to Ocarina is pretty good, too. Ocarina is also yeah. pretty good. I think that this version of the character does a lot of what Ocarina was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it's executed on a little bit more fully. Well, she gets to be very much more part of the story, even if a lot of that story is backstory. Yeah. She gets to be there at a fight with Gandorf. That's true. Well, both fights, I guess. Um, and Link can shoot her with arrows to get scales to upgrade the champion's tunic. Yeah. Do you think that her mane is just like the texture of her hair? Did I ask this already? Yeah, absolutely. So you think it just feels like really soft girl hair, just like a dragon's worth of it? That's right. It's perfectly conditioned. It has a nice <laughs> smell. <laughs> oh, that's nice and sad. Blake does remark whenever he's around the dragon or the dragon parts that it just, what is the, it feels with a warm feeling or something? Something like that. Yeah. It, where, where is that said? On the dragon parts. I can grab my switch. Oh, no, it's okay. It's just a description for the, the dragons. The are a little weird to me that you have to attack Zelda to get the scales. Just gently break them off. She's an immortal dragon. She doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, but you're still undertaking the action of attacking the immortal <laughs> dragon, Zelda. Yeah. 
a, like a ceremonial. It is a ceremony. Arrow to the, to the face. Right in the teeth. I, I did look at people remarking like when they didn't know it was her, like jumping around and like poking her eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they found out and they were like, oh my God. Yeah. Poking her eye? Yeah. Uh-oh. There was somebody really fun too. They they auto built like a little house out <laughs> there. They just built a little house on top of her head. Uh-huh. Was this before they found out? No, after. Oh, okay. Oh, so now they're living with their girlfriend. Yes, yes. But this is not the last thing that happens no, in Robert's time. No, it's not. Let's move on. Um I I guess the the Great Sky Island is lifted up. Off of the Great Plateau? Yeah, and this is, very fortunately, uh, recounted by the Chamberlain, which I will jump to. Number 11. The day the land rose. Such wondrous sight I have beholden, that none can it not justly be described. The temple of time I saw, and all land held it, raised to the sky, both fearful and majestic. As Princess Zelda told me, in far distant future comes a champion to that place, the hope that saves Hyrule. For that champion be it that I these great stones inscribe. The king's elder sister, Mineru, sends now these stones to the sky, that the champion might him read. I will point out that there is a twelfth stone, oddly, that chronologically is placed after it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it, like, maybe all the other ones were sent up first and this is sent up last, or maybe it's not chronologically the last one carved, but I'll read it out too. A parting resolve. Raru, Hyrule's king. Sonya, her queen. His elder sister, Mineru, and the princess Zelda, all whom I served and loved, all whom are gone. Alone carve I these words on this stone. This stone, in all thirteen, serve as the royal family's record, mine work final, full wrought for all ages. Many the mark made by these much-beloved peoples, some which seen, some unseen. When I make remembrance of her marks, feel I a flame of hope, though full small, within me. It be as though these marks describe some great design. I cannot match Princess Zelda's love for her land. What more, then, ask I, can I do for Hyrule's peoples? Let my life lead me from henceforth as an answer full worthy to this question. I feel like the Chamberlain is, like, the most fully characterized character that we never fucking see. I agree, yeah. Like, if... If if we were to rank her against the other characters in terms of how fully realized she is, I think she might land above Raru. <laughs> oh, definitely. Just for being so fully characterized in so many different contexts. It is quite funny because there are a couple of people across Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom like this. Like the the bard. Yeah. Is exactly this person too. Y- yes, absolutely. For our listeners, the bard that Monica is referring to is Cass's master, who was present on the day that Link fell on the Blatchery Plain. And had a big old crush on Zelda, but we think it's kind of awkward. Yeah, it's big awkward. So, um, the Chamberlain's memories end here, and a few things happen, I think, pretty close after that. Firstly, the... Mural is constructed underneath Hyrule Castle, and whatever stuff in the depths is 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 built out there. The mural that Zelda and Link look at at the start of the game. Right. Hyrule Castle is constructed. Yes, I think that everything between 
the spot where Ganondorf is sealed and the base of Hyrule Castle is constructed before Hyrule Castle just to act as a base for it. Okay. And maybe in installments, so that's why the deeper part is much more Zonai. Possibly. And then close to the top, more castle. Though that doesn't explain everything. No, it doesn't. <laughs> this is where we need to put all our rocks and all our soldiers. Yes. Yeah. That you And honestly, good reasoning. Good reasoning there. <laughs> um, well, it didn't really work out in practice. <laughs> I mean, it worked for like a million billion years. And it was the first thing that Gandorf did... Is uncork he, it. Yeah, he unpopped that, that champagne cork. Yeah. So it must have been doing something a little bit. It's true, though, Crystal. You're right that because <laughs> they stuck it there, every time too much unfiltered hate got out past Raru, it would come up as the calamity directly beneath Hyrule Castle. And it was probably sealed by the, the queens. Actually, now that I think about it, when we when we actually go down and see Ganondorf, when Raru seals Ganondorf, there's no malice or gloom around, right? It's just mm-hmm. him and the filtered energy coming out of his back. Yeah. But when we find Ganondorf, the gloom is everywhere. Yeah. And the filtering that Raru is doing is like less than a hundredth of the stuff that is gathered there. Yeah. The seal's weakening. Raru, or the malice is simply building up too much for Raru to take care of anymore. Though that might have been going on for some time because what is the calamity if not a buildup of that malice? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And the the queens of Hyrule were, were sealing that. That's true. Yes, collectively, they were. They like were. Helping to reinforce. We know that from Zelda and Zelda's mother and grandmother. Do we think that the defeat of the calamity actively caused the issue that appeared in Tears of the Kingdom? What do you think, Crystal? The Demon King makes gloom. The calamity makes malice. <laughs> True. What can we take from this? I think that malice is a much better name than gloom. Yeah. I think that gloom is a less alarming term than malice. And if we talked about the malice-infused deaths rather than the gloom-infused ones, nobody would step down there. It took me Many, many hours before I braved going down there. I had to show Monica auto-build and be like, you have to go down there to get this. And she was like, well, shit. Well, also the camera. Yeah. Yeah. But I was feeling very nervous. Um, What do we make of gloom and malice being different? What do you make of it, Crystal? Well, that suggests that there is some kind of qualitative difference between the Calamity and the Demon King. Okay. But what does that mean? I don't know. How, is Malice actively named in Breath of the Wild? Yes. Okay. Yes. Constantly. Cool. Good. I think that Malice is just a less intense version of Gloom, ultimately. So they should have switched the names. Yeah. They really should have. Hindsight. Gloom is darkness and Malice is Malice. Hate. Yeah. <laughs> so Gloom is some an elemental force, but Malice is an emotion. Malice doesn't uh, seal up your hearts. It no. just it drains. It just kills you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but gloom in its it, when it first started showing up wasn't that dangerous. Seeming people were getting sick, but it was sort of a gradual sickness, and it was sort of wafting across the air. Yes. Like and, best in fact, when it when it was a mist, it was less harmful. It's only when it congealed in the form of a liquid or stuck to surfaces that it would really harm you by touching it. Yeah. More like malice. Yes, in a sense, like malice. 
maybe they were just a bit too like initially when it was just smoky stuff, then they were like, Oh, this is not malice. So we got to name it something else. It's gloom. It's kind of gloomy. Right. But then it, the heart of it, I think it's fairly similar. I don't know. Is this like the corrupting ooze from Warcraft? I don't actually know anything about Warcraft, but I often hear people make jokes about there being some kind of corrupting slime or ooze. Um, I feel like that might be a World of Warcraft thing. The Undead in Warcraft 3, which I played shit 20 years ago, had a thing that was very much like the Zerg. Yeah, the Zerg I can speak to. It had the Blight. Um, you could only build on the Blight. Yes, but it, it's like a spread of the undead or Zerg corruption through the land. Yeah, the Zerg are hive minds, and they need to build on the creep, which extends um, across some buildings. Well, all buildings, but some of them help to, to, to spread the creep a lot faster. Okay, uh, they stole this from StarCraft. <laughs> I think Warcraft came first. Oh, you mean... You mean- <laughs> Zelda stole it from? It has a purple coloration and is a viscous substance that feels thick and slimy. Well, the the blight in... I mean, maybe they did steal it from Warcraft. I don't know. But the first thing that I would point out would be like the... Sure, surely we would think the cursed boar from Princess Mononoke and all the worms, right? Yeah, that's true. Surely that's the first thing that I would think of. I'd like to point out that... Fairly close to the surface, in fact, accessible by a grate and down a a series of stairs, but really not, it shouldn't have been all that lost or unknown, is a tablet. Read me the tablet. Yes. Deep beneath this land, our mighty first ruler imprisoned the demon king. To ensure the king's magic would hold, we erected a castle here to protect the sacred site. Worth noting, this is in Hylian. Without the castle in place, the site may be disturbed, allowing the Demon King's hatred and rage to be revived. The preservation of this castle is therefore tied to the prosperity of the kingdom. May it, wa- may it watch over an eternal peace. Well, that didn't work out. This was entirely lost, at least to Rome. Yes. But it, this should at least be written in ancient Hylian, which means it's at some point somebody came down and translated it into a language that Link can read. Maybe one of the or queens. Z- or Zelda taught them. That's very true. Yeah. Like, maybe it's just the equivalent of Middle English. Oh, yeah. She, like, Zelda left behind a message for them to write down once the castle was mm. constructed. Ah. Yeah, so that makes sense. It seems like the explicit purpose of the Second Dynasty of Hyrule is to keep the Demon King sealed. What? Where does the Second Dynasty begin? Great question. That's a great <laughs> question. Is there a, a Sonai Hylian baby? There's. They don't mention a baby anywhere. <laughs> there is simply no baby. There's no baby in the text. You might think, well, surely it would be reasonable to infer that there is a baby. And you know what? Maybe it is, but... We cannot deny that there is no baby in the text. If there was a baby in the text, more than zero parts of the memory would have Zelda interacting with the baby, fawning over the baby, thinking about how the baby is the future of Hyrule, that sort of thing. The Chamberlain doesn't remark about a baby either. The Chamberlain doesn't remark on any prince or princess of Hyrule. Who would be taking care of the baby if not the Chamberlain? It's seriously. (laughs) 
There's no baby. If so, if Sonya never mentions the baby, Zelda never mentions the baby, Raru never mentions the baby, and most especially the Chamberlain never mentions the baby, Raru and Sonya never had a kid. Where did the second dynasty come from? It doesn't matter. It, it was lifted up out of the people. But but someone with the blood of the goddess came up. Not yet. Not yet, but eventually. Eventually, yes. But we'll get to that. Okay. Because we ha- made the wonderful decision <laughs> to go through it was the, very cr- important. the chronology of this game as presented. Uh-huh. And now we are here at the founding of the second <laughs> dynasty of Hyrule, about which we know genuinely nothing. But we know for sure that it's not yet the founding of the fourth dynasty. The third dynasty of Hyrule, which is where we spent most of the series, to say nothing of the fourth dynasty of Hyrule, which is where our Zelda probably comes from. Wait, I'm not following you. Yeah, you sure aren't yet, but you will be. You will be. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. A million years pass. Liquid's up in the sky. <laughs> it's time to talk about the depths. Not is it okay. time or? Well, it's time to talk about part of the depths. Okay. Because at some point during all of this, I think we can say that there are at least some Zelda games that take place between the first part of Tears of the Kingdom, the past of Tears of the Kingdom, and the current world of Tears of the Kingdom, right? It's it's not just Breath of the Wild. This wait, is meant to encompass multiple wait, games. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> I just had an idea. Okay. What if Zelda and Mineru had a baby? Okay, go on. They genetically engineered a baby to be raised by Impa. <laughs> okay, okay. I feel like Impa might have mentioned that, but I, 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 I do. listen. I love where your head's at. Keep that energy going because we really okay. need it. Go on. Uh, I, I talking about the depths. We could also talk about the geoliths. Where do those go? Okay, so the geoglyphs, as we know are, well, okay, not all of our listeners are going to know because not all of them have played Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know why they're still listening to this podcast. We're um, (laughs) seven hours deep on talking about Tears of the Kingdom and they haven't played it yet. Now they know the whole story. Not the whole story. But uh, the geoglyphs are created by the Tears of the Light Dragon, which contain the memories of Zelda, which we've been reciting up to this point. And when they landed on the Earth, they were found by an ancient people who built the geoglyphs around them. I think that the the tears of the dragon, the tears of the kingdom. I don't think that they're the tears of the kingdom. You don't they're think the they're the tears of the kingdom? They're the tears of the dragon. That's they're, what the text of the game says. across the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I think that dr- tears of the dragon was a working title until they felt like it gave too much away. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, it makes me reflect about the tier data that gets transferred to your Sheikah slate or anything else. Crystal, I need you to shoot me right now before she starts talking about fucking data sets. Liquefied data. That's not about data Genetic memory. <laughs> okay, Monica, I need you to shoot me before Crystal starts going into <laughs> genetic memory. Wait, do tears have DNA in them? Not to the best of my knowledge, but I guess they could. It's got data. Okay. It's got the memory encoded in there. I mean, they're magic. It, it's, okay. it's technology... Which is indistinguishable from magic because the knowledge has been lost. Okay, tears do have eye proteins in them, so there's <laughs> there's DNA in that. Uh huh. <laughs> I I really like the I think it's 
a conclusion reached by Impa that these geoglyphs are formed because when people approach those tears, they were infused with fever dreams that they had to capture down in art. Crystal, where do you think the geoglyphs come from? I think they must have been drawn by the by the people that Zelda left behind. They do seem to be of a Zonai art style. The the art on them, its line work is very similar to the line work that's um, used in all the murals depicting Zonai events. But was that carved by Zonai or Hylian? I feel like it's Hylian. I think that it's mostly Hylian. Yeah, and. The, the geoglyphs are meant to be uh, in the style of the Nazca lines right. in South America. Right. Which is such a human thing. Yes. It's, it's Hylian. Okay. Is my feel, view. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I feel like maybe um, we are seeing the beginnings of the Sheikah tribe, of everyone that got left behind after all the rulers died. Maybe Impa became the leader. Yeah, that could be. Now... Is this a source, even though crying eye imagery was at the time of the zone eye? Oh, shit. The Sheikah embodying that tearful eye. Is that from Zelda? Is that from Zelda? Not Hylia, but Zelda. There we go. The Mask of Truth is based on Zelda's crying. Oh, fuck me. Do we see that eye in, like, anywhere else? No, we have Impa in Skyward Sword have a white tear on on her face. Yes, which is just like the one that Zelda has painted in this game. Yes. Or, and like Sonya. Yeah. But again, there's no think, Sheikah eye image. Again, I think that Sonya is Sheikah. Yeah. Like old school Sheikah. So, but this could be the formation of the eye. Yeah. Well, no, she was already wearing the eye. She was wearing something like the eye. But mm-hmm. if you look at the eye, it does kind of look like the dragon eye crying. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me that if that was one of the development decisions of the game, much like let's go into the red bird on Link's shield was for Skyward Sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Crystal, do you uh, remember the chamber that you find with Impa that shows you where all the geoglyphs are? Yes. And do you remember where it is? It's in the Forgotten Temple, right? Yeah, it's in the Forgotten Temple, behind the chamber where Raru gives the secret stones to the sages. Yes. And in the cutscene where he's giving the secret stones to the stages, that door doesn't exist, which means that that chamber, which is built with Zonai architecture, was built after the Imprisoning War, after Zelda became a dragon, which suggests to me... It could have been done by Hylians, but I wonder on some level if this is one of the cases where the Zonai came back. Because as we go further down the timeline, I think there's at least one instance where it's really clear to me that the Zonai come back at least once. Yeah. I'm indecisive about this. I guess it could be a collaborative thing. Certainly that final room, it's lit by Zonai lamps. That's true. And... But the, the tablet in there is also written in Hylian. Modern Hylian. Yeah, it says a tear within a tear. Yeah. And the map, it does have all the geoglyphs, glyphs, but it also has Hyrule Castle there. Yes, which means that the room was built after Hyrule Castle's construction over the course of however many generations. Let me ask you this. 
Do you think humans went to the sky in this time period? You uh, define this time period. Um, in the time period after the imprisonment war, or perhaps during it. Oh, I it think would have to be after. It would have to be after. I think yes. you'd also have to define what do you mean by sky or where in the sky. Because if you listen, if say we were in the sky above another continent, we would never know, right? Oh, okay. Let me be more direct. Do we think that the imprisoning war is the Helia War told at the beginning of Skyward Sword? I think it predates that. Okay. Yeah. That, that This is just me. I was going to save this for the actual timeline discussion that we could end up having at the end of all of these episodes. But I think that the past of Tears of the Kingdom predates Skyward Sword. Can we okay. possibly conflate? I don't think we could. Like what? The broad if- stri- yeah. Go ahead. The broad strokes are similar, right? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. The broad strokes are similar, just in the same way that it's doing the broad strokes of Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time. Yeah, a a goddess shows up. This is an imprisoning war. And fights a war united with everybody else against a demon king who at least ended up underground. Yes. Uh, No sword, but that's... Well, no, there is a sword, I guess. She didn't really fight with it. Well, it only shows up after the war is over. No, but in Skyward Sword, supposedly, she had the sword. But that's fine. Small differences. And then she upraises a part of the sky, uh, the land into the sky. Crystal, where do you see this taking place? Right now, I'm kind of into the idea that the story of Hylia is after a few thousand years, the Sheikah slash Hylian legend of these events. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Would that mean that... so? So where does Demise come from? He's a calamity. He's a calamity. But he is still sealed away as a calamity. That's right. In a separate imprisoning war on a different continent. That's right. Uh, But when they speak about Hylia, then, Crystal, do you mean that they're actually speaking about this Zelda? And Do we think that Hylia is separate from Zelda? No. Okay. So you're saying that Hylia is Zelda? Yes. And she's like, I'm going to set up my ideal boyfriend, which is my current boyfriend. So you're saying that Tears of the Kingdom Zelda set up the events of Skyward Sword. Yeah, I mean, that's what she's doing at, at the end, right? She's setting up the entire future. I mean, in a sense, but it felt like she's only setting up the future of Tears of the Kingdom. I guess I'll, I'll have to think about that. It, it's a very intriguing theory, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that it could... It could work as well as any other. <laughs> yeah. And better than some other ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna share spoilers for my later theories with you, Crystal, and that we're going to end up dealing with spans of time that are so arcane that I'm not sure the order of events really matters anymore. <laughs> we are getting just hip deep in some bullshit. Okay, here's something broader I'd like to propose. I think anytime we see the Sheikah Crest. We must assume that it is after these events. I can buy that. Yes. Okay. Although because eye imagery is separate. We see prototypical Sheikah Crest eye imagery here, but the Sheikah Crest proper has not developed. Right, with the with the tear coming off of it. Yes. Um other weird little bits and bobs all over the place. The Farron rituals in which you offer a, a thingamabob to the, the different dragon totems. <laughs> Do a, we think- a construct charge? Yes. 
a Zonai core. Yes. Do you think this was set up for Link exclusively? Was this a Zonai tradition? What do you think, Crystal? Hmm. The Zonai could come back at some point. I mean, they must, right? Yeah. They have to. They have to. So maybe they hear of this legend that one day Link will come, and they decide to make their own traditions that Link can also do. Here's what I'm thinking. The point of that particular um, ritual is to gain access to Dragonhead Island, or whatever it's called. But nobody ever gets access to Dragonhead Island up to that point, because in order to get it, you need a Zonai charge. And Zonai charges are only contained within the constructs. And the constructs have all been lifted up beyond the Sky Veil in a sort of invisible pocket dimension, where even if you came to it from above, you could not enter it. It is separated from the rest of the universe until the light dragon cleaves open the sky. So they set this, this, I think, was set up by Mineru to be used after the upheaval. Monica's looking for eye imagery in Skyward Sword. You know. It's on Impa's forehead. Mm. It's also on the time stones. Hmm. Yep, there it is, though. Red. Yep. It's got the tear and everything. And she has one giant tear under her left eye. But chrono- chronologically, it must take place afterwards. Or, or concurrently. What is it? Skyward Sword. Must take place after or concurrently with the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom? Yes. Why is that? Uh, to line up Demise. It's not even just lining up Demise for me. Where's the Master Sword in all this? That too. Why didn't a motherfucker go find a hero to fight the demon? There is king? no hero. A hero did not appear. There wasn't even a sword for a hero. Do you think that's a reasonable question to ask or a problem to bring up with this crystal? Like, the fact that there's no hero indicates that the hero simply hadn't been brought into existence yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Because that that's actually the first thing that struck me. It's like, boy, there sure seems like there should be a link in this timeline, but there sure isn't. Uh, when, when there is no hero, that's when bad shit goes down. Yes. And it's like the Master Sword doesn't seem to exist. The hero doesn't seem to exist. There's enough here for me to think that this is pre-Skyward Sword. And that, as you put it, Crystal, Demise is a calamity, seeking ultimately to free the Demon King. Or it, he becomes so independent that he forgets what he's supposed to be doing. That brought so to Agent Smith. <laughs> sure. Much like Agent Smith from The Matrix, who uh, suffered from a lot of uh, data entropy as he kept cloning himself. Is that what happened? That's one of the things that happened. That- well, he, he used to work for the system, but then he freed himself from the system and became his own bad guy. Is that because he found humans gross? Yes. Okay. I do remember that part. He was suffering terrible dysphoria. Well, it's more like you have to like interact with, I guess, his equivalent of seeing bugs. You're, you're like waiting in worms or whatever the whole time. No, I mean, like he was actually experiencing dysphoria, having to take on the shape of a human oh. inside of the Matrix. Huh. I never thought about that way. He just he describes it that way. He I needs to get out of this place. Ah. Uh, he needs to leave that meat. I need to rewatch the Matrix from like a, a trans narrative. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. I have not watched it since two thousand and five. Mark. Yeah, something like that. It's been almost twenty years. I haven't watched it since then either. But it's a really memorable scene. Hmm. What were we talking about? I, I was going to say, it, this brought to mind the idea that uh, the calamity being poofed. Remember how there was a line in Breath of the Wild that people really tripped over about the calamity? Zelda says that it's given up on reincarnation. Yes. 
And this seemed to be a little bit unaligned with the Japanese version or whatnot. It's basically, it has given up on creating a new body for itself. Yes. But I think that it actually plays quite well with Tears of the Kingdom as we understand it because uh, the Calamity stops being an issue. Yes. And is totally dispelled or sealed. But that that means that the the funnel for all of the other stuff, the actual bad guy then starts to emerge because there's no place for that evil to be shunted. There is a place in Tears of the Kingdom, I'm not entirely sure where, where it's described that the battle with the Calamity is part of what damaged the seal on the Demon King. There can only be so many places. I know. And that's over the school. Yeah, I'm thinking probably the school. Um, It may have been something that Impa says to you when you talk to her in the post-game about the mural. In fact, that's the most likely spot. But anyway, anyway, the events. And it also comes out that the calamity has been coming over and over again. So we've got so 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 we've got the Pharaon ruins that are set up to allow you access to Dragonhead Island once the sky has been opened back up and you can get yeah. back up to the constructs. We have the Typhlo ruins. Which are set up specifically to interact with the powers of the sages and has a really interesting treasure inside of it. What treasure is there? Crystal, did you ever complete the puzzles of the Typhlo ruins? I did not. Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you what's there. It's the Sword of the Sages from Twilight Princess. Oh, right. How the hell did that get there? That's a great question. That uh, that that is such a good question. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're not going to be able to talk about this because our listeners don't know. But um, we're going to. Transition because we've been getting more emails. We're going to transition into emails at the two-hour mark. So this will this is a good teaser for the shit we're going to have to talk well, about next time. I think we could talk for a couple minutes longer. The Typhlo Ruins tablets are in Hylian. They're legible to link. Yes. Do we have enough time to talk about the ancient hero? We sure don't. Why not? Well, okay, we can talk about the ancient hero, but I'm not. Go- Crystal, what's the maximum amount you want to record today? Speak to me of the ancient hero. The ancient hero of 10,000 years ago. Okay, so we ha- we're we having to skip along a bit, listeners. Um, at some point, the hatred that Ganon had slips out past Raru and creates something very like Phantom Ganon, which comes to be known as the Calamity. And this ancient hero of 10,000 years ago, whose uh, wealth is collectively 300 rupees... Who fights alongside the princess of his time. The princess who carries the blood of the goddess. And also happens to have the same coloring as Sonia. Yeah, I guess so. Hard to tell. (laughs) Maybe hard to tell. Um, And the master sword. Does also wield the master sword. So, Monica, what about this ancient hero? Uh, I didn't think it would happen, but (laughs) you... If you get all of the shrines? Yeah, it's all the shrines. If you get all the shrines, they're like, hey, go to the Sky Temple of Time because there's something there in a box for you. And you go up there and go, well, I I wonder what the equivalent to the outfit of the wild is. I hope the shorts aren't dinky in this one. And you open it up and it is the ancient hero's aspect. And you put it on and it is Link's fursona. Crystal, what do you make of the ancient hero's aspect? I know you didn't get it, but you have seen it. Yes. Well, it seems clear to me that it's a Zonai. I can't believe they did this. 
Now, it turns out that that thing that I insisted, where the ancient hero was probably a Zonai, is true. Not in exactly the way that I said. It does certainly look like it. The one, this is something that you posited in the Breath of the Wild recordings? Um, yeah, I think so. One of them, at least. He's or, wielding or the Master the, Sword. Or at least the Accursed Timeline episode. He is a Link. Yes. This, Crystal, would you say this is a Link? Yeah, this is a Link. A Link with digitigrade legs and a tail? Yeah. Link's been an animal before. That's true. Now, the the, the question here is, um, if this is a Zonai, why does he look so different from Raru and Mineru? For one thing, his leg to torso ratio is the same as a Hylia, which is why it, he looks... Ex- he, his armor is the same as the Zonite armor from the neck down. It's only yes. the helmet that is replaced with the circlet that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. He's a... He's a shorty, too. He is Link's size. His snout is also not as pronounced, and I don't think he has a third eye. He most certainly he does, not. does not. What do we So you- this is clearly a human-Zonai hybrid. What makes you say that, Crystal? Because it's got both human and Zonai elements. Does such it? Such as the, the legs-to-torso ratio, the lack of a third eye, and the, uh, the less pronounced snout. Well, here's something for you. Here's something for you. Um... Raru and Mineru do not have digitigrade feet. Interesting. They stand like humans do. Hmm. We can't really tell it of Raru because his hair is so big and in the way, but I don't think they have tails. They don't have tails. So here's what I would like to propose. But actually, before I get into that, we might as well get into something from the depths. And that is, um, do you remember the statues that you have to follow if you go from, good lord, Man, some Mineru fan art just getting wild out here. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted because Monica's Google image searching. I was just looking for Mineru TOTK. Yeah, well, that'll get you some things. But um, the, the statues that you find under Hyrule Field Crystal and Central Hyrule, uh, you remember them, how they look kind of like the magma. Yeah. They look, um, they're humanoid in shape, roughly, but they have snouts and digitigrade legs and larger shoulders than humans do. Mm-hmm. And they're depicted on the mural that's brought up by Josh's uh, survey team as basically being, uh, how do you say, not quite worshipping, but clearly paying homage to Raru. Mm-hmm. It's an image that I, I can share with Crystal. Oh, okay. Just a second. I, I dove down there to check because there are statues for... I put it in the line. The Rito, the Gorin, the Zora, and... Yes. Which one am I missing? The Gerudo. Rito, the Gerudo. But there are no Hylians. There are no Hylians. But there's also this one, a fifth kind. Yeah, I wondered what the deal with this guy was. And it's making me think, this is actually the thing that led me to believe that perhaps Raru and Mineru are elevated post-Secret Stones versions of Zonai, and that the more normal Zonai look is something closer to the ancient hero. Because whereas whereas Ganondorf gained his demon horns, Mineru and Raru gained their celestial third eye. And these dudes in these statues clearly are some kind of laborers who work beneath the Zonai kings, they're holding something round in their hand. Or oval. Possibly Zonite. Zonite. Maybe a secret stone? I don't buy it. Uh. Are the magma the Zonai who lived underground? Po- 
possibly. They do still look kind of <laughs> like magma. But what I, this is just what I wanted to get at. A lot of people have thought that the ancient heroes aspect might be a descendant of Raru and Sonya, but I don't think that's the case. I think that they, um, I think that what we're seeing is a Zonai who came down to Hyrule in its time of need to act as a hero. Yeah, not least of which, if if this is a a biracial, uh, Hylian Zonai mixed person, they're not of the royal dynasty. It kind of seems like Rauru and Mineru are biracial, if anything. Because if you changed the legs of this statue to be uh, plantigrade, it would make the legs a lot shorter. <laughs> it would, yes. Huh. Uh, that, I, it just makes me wonder if Rauru and Mineru, like, half-transformed compared to Ganondorf. They're so much stronger than the other non-deities with secret stones. But they're not as strong as Ganondorf, so they didn't transform as much. But both things could be true. Like, Raru and Mineru could be... Like, they are of the surface of the world. The ancestors came down a long time ago. Unless you're saying they came down themselves. I did. Yes, I think I've established my thoughts on that. That they are also Ugh. from the... But that's not even how Mineru talks about it. I mean, we. she very pointedly does not talk about her or Raru's origins. Right, but she talks about the Zonai coming down a long time ago and taking the stones with them. Yes, but she never talks about where she and Raru are from. And Ganondorf says that the Zonai simply aren't fucking around anymore, which suggests that if Raru and Mineru had been born on land, somebody would have known about it. In any case, I wonder if these Zonai... Cause I, I, is it okay to call them Zonai, the ones of the, these statues? Yes. Monica? I would agree. Okay. Because these own, I seem to, to me, to belong to a different social um, stratum as compared to Mineru and Raru. They are laborers. They are symbolized by their labors. And I wonder if we might just be looking at Zonai who aren't royals here. Okay. The working class. The working class Zonai as... Which Link inevitably is. Yes. So even if... a knight. I mean, most links aren't, like, born into knighthood. They sure become knights, though. I mean... I don't know if knighthood comes with any sort of lands... Not in this. ...in this world. It does He's a landowner in Hateno. He's really not, because that's not his house anymore. <laughs> He's a landowner in Terrytown. Yeah, but you have to but buy it. I think most people own their land. That's true. Most people in Hyrule who have houses are landowners. Yeah. So I don't think that that's like a knighthood thing, at least at this period. But anyway, anyway, the point is that it is from the lower class of Zonai that Link seems to have arisen because he's very different from the royal Zonai, Raru and Mineru, whether their differences are due to a transformation or not. He and these Zonai depicted here did not have secret stones. There weren't enough of them. Monica wants to argue with me. No, no, I'm just thinking through this. And I'm thinking through, like, see, pointedly, we only have Mineru and Raru as the last Zonai on the land. And Mineru dies really quickly after. And Raru, there's no baby. So so the ancient hero must have come down. From the... Yeah, a series of new Zonai coming down. 
Unless we think there's baby. I think that occasionally Zonai come down. Okay. I, I've, I've, been, I've held to this from the start. But not from the bubble where the, the Temple of Time is. No, 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 no. You pass through that when you descend from the heavens. From I'm, space. I'm saying that motherfucker came from a distant nebula. From space? Yeah. The Zonai from space. <laughs> Crystal, she's trying to get a rise out of you. The Zonai is certainly... Well, isn't everyone from space, really? <laughs> I mean, when you think about it. it. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about it, everyone is from space. Aren't we all made of star stuff? That is also true. Uh-huh. Crystal, what do you make of the Zonai statues? <sighs> They're very old. Yeah. Some of the oldest statues we've ever seen in Zelda. Right. Their snouts are more pronounced than the aspect of the hero. So it's not like they're identical with the aspect of the hero. It's hard to see in pictures, but the aspect of the hero does have a decently sized snout. If you look at it like straight from the side, in comparison to the size of his head, he has more of one than Maneru does. Really? Hmm. Okay, I see what you mean. It's still not as pronounced as these statues, though. No, no. The statues definitely have much more exaggerated features. And the statues kind of have what... Almost looks like sawed-off horns. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I, I thought they were minotaurs at first. Oh, that makes sense. And they're not slender like Zonai. These are these are uh, top-heavy Zonai. Oh, here's uh, an image that Monica found of the ancient hero seen from the side. Give me just a second. And when you get this, you can talk to a few different people, Impa being one of them. Who just go, oh, yeah, that's the ancient hero, <laughs> which, uh, you know, from the, the, the time of the Calamity, which is kind of bananas that they recognize that. Okay, there it is. That, that, that Monica wanted me to send this so you could see the hero in profile. Okay, yeah, that is a decent sized snout. One interesting thing about this, and I think this, this, is, this is really interesting, is that other people can't see the hero's aspect. Only a few. No, they can't see it. Oh, what I mean is that there's a few characters who recognize that you're wearing the same clothing as the ancient hero, but n- none of them seem to notice that you have utterly transformed. Impa does think that you look exactly like yes, the, but the depiction of wearing the attire of the ancient hero. We get the it's text. even in it's in that image that you sent. Impa says, I see you are wearing the attire of the ancient hero. Hold on. Every person that you speak to about it, be that Pura or I think Robbie or things like anyone like that, when they talk about it, they are strictly speaking about the ancient hero's clothes. You are wearing his armor. You are wearing his headpiece. But they do not mention that you look like a Zonai. What strikes me about this is because the text of... Oh, hello. You still there, Crystal? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. We had a little bit of a Skype blip, which I'm going to blame Monica for. But um, the, the description of the ancient hero's aspect says that it's said to contain the soul of the ancient hero, which makes me think that when you're wearing it, you are embodying the ancient hero's soul, which Link can see because he's sensitive in that way. It's why he can see the Koroks. It's why he can see Pose. But the other people around him can't see it. They just see the armor that he's wearing. I'm going to go talk to Impa again. Please. But on that note, uh, people can see dragons in this one. That's true. That's kind of weird. They couldn't in the previous one. What's different? I don't know. What? Well, I, I just thought that was interesting. I know you haven't seen that dialogue, Crystal, but just the idea There's that... some other differences to point out here. Go ahead. 
So the statue does not have ears. That's true. Nor a tail. Nor hair. That is true. And the Rauru and Mineru have prominent ears, uh, white hair, and their skin is kind of grayish. True. Whereas the aspect of the hero has red hair and green skin. Yes. Blue-tinted green skin. And much smaller ears, even though they're huge. Yes. They're, they're, they look like Killian ears, but green. They're not fuzzy like Rauru and Mineru. I, I loaded up Tears of the Kingdom really quick just to point out what Impa says, which is, uh, I see you are wearing the attire of the ancient hero. How amusing. You almost look like that figure depicted on the screen. She which, doesn't take note of the fact that you have an animal head. I, I don't know. Uh, Monica. Do you not? Do, at least the red hair? No, she doesn't notice that. I would not be able to identify that as seeming like the picture on the screen. Without that red hair, at They least. interpret the art differently than we do. But, Monica, she doesn't go like, sweet Jesus, why do you look like that? Maybe it's just not surprising to her. I think that they can't see it. They can't see the soul of the ancient hero. Crystal, do you have a perspective on this? Maybe this isn't the ancient hero's body. This is just their clothes. So, aligned with, with what Cam is saying, she's seeing the attire. I'm saying that this snout and everything is part of the attire. (laughs) This is a big helmet. Oh my god. (laughs) What happened to Link's legs? (laughs) He's very flexible. Oh. So, Crystal, you're saying that the ancient hero is still a Hylian Link, but just like very committed to his fursuit. The ancient hero might not be a Hylian, but uh, close enough that his clothes fit. I, I did not predict. I did. <laughs> I actually did. Did you? Yeah. I can rely on you for poo-pooing and Crystal for making both of us stare into space going, is that what it is? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, hmm. But I stand by what I said. Well, listeners. Because Link is spiritually sensitive in a way that the people around him aren't. He's the only one who can see the Koroks. He's the only one who can see the hero's aspect. I think Zelda could see the Koroks. Okay, thank you, sweetheart. That is not at all related to what I just fucking said. Of the people who are walking around in the game and aren't dragons flying in the sky with no sense of themselves or the passage of time, Link is the only one who can see the Koroks. Link is the only one who can see the hero's aspect. I'm sure that Ganon could also see the Koroks. No, I don't think he could see the Koroks at all. Are you crazy? No. Oh, Cameron, how about this? Can they see the hero's aspect on the mural? They see the depiction on the mural. But if a non-Link looks at it, do they see a Hillian? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I would assume so. Because it doesn't contain the hero's soul in that depiction like his soul is said to be in this armor. When we look at that mural, it's, it's such an interpretive art style. Sure. People could not make head or tails of that. Okay, so we, we, we've seen this Zonai here, and we have a sense that perhaps there's a completely separate... If nothing else, this ancient hero is a very different sort of Zonai compared to Raru and Minero. Are we generally agreed on that? Yes. Uh-huh. So there's a lot going on with the Zonai and their past and the stratification of their society that we're not privy to, but there's suggestions that they didn't come from a completely... Uh, equitable culture 
And if Raru wasn't from a different class, then it's only because he was changed by the secret stone that he holds. Now, I would like to suggest that we should probably read a couple of emails, but I would also like to suggest ask you two if you would like to hold off a little bit longer because we still haven't gotten to the five-year gap. I don't think there's anything left. <laughs> Before the five-year gap? Uh-huh. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Okay, should should we start in on the five-year gap now or use it as the launching point for next episode? This is a great launching point, I think. Yeah, it's a launching point for next episode. Okay. For We're the, nearly there. The final, final, final for the deep past is Link is born. <laughs> well, I mean, that was already a thing in Breath of the Wild. We don't need to cover that. Uh, all right. Link's birth is not confirmed. Yeah, Link's... <laughs> Link's not confirmed. We know that he comes to, into existence at some point. We know he comes into existence, but was he born? Who can say? Who can say? Uh, we ain't seen his parents. We know that Zelda has a mother, but we're not sure that Link has a mother. We know that L- Link has a father, but that's not the same thing. I'm lost. Link could have been summoned. Could have been summoned by the Triforce. Jesus help me. Okay. If you'd like... Okay. Are, are we good for moving on to emails for right now? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. If you would like to send in emails, please send them into bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Once more, if you want to be read, send in your emails to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Let's see here. Um, We have an email from Jackson, subject line, Age of Calamity. And Jackson says that in the side quest for Age of Calamity, Wisdom of the Storm... Urbosa says to Unibo, you're cut from good granite. Is that canonical confirmation that Gorons are carved from stone? This is a great game to talk about it. Yeah, they are. They they come up out of the earth. We, we learned that from Tears of the Kingdom. They actually finally made it completely explicit in the text that Gorons are born of the earth. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I, gen- I genuinely thought they would never make that textual. But it's textual. It's textual. But... I guess cut from good granite, emerged from granite. They could be different stones. They could be different things. So, what what is the kinship system of Gorons? Because we know if you're born in the same place at the same time, you are you are brothers, right? Uh, how does Darunia have a son? It's great. That's a great <laughs> question. It's a great question. By what means is Yunobu uh, Daruk's descendant? Maybe it's a great question. M- maybe. You become father to a Goran if you help them unearth themselves. Okay. Yeah. Like you're there to nurture them while they grow in the earth, and you help them break out a little bit. That 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 seems the easiest to me. Or maybe like Gorans have big stony growths on their backs. Could a Goran be born out of that stone on another Goran's back? They could have multiple ways. Yeah. To be born out of the earth because Gorans are the earth. We're just back to them budding. Um. <laughs> No, no, they probably have to come out of the ground. I'm going to say that Darunia helped um, Link the Goran get out of the ground, and therefore he's his dad. Maybe they used the ground in a certain area and still carved it up? We don't know. The Gorons are the true classless society. Everyone is Anaki. But there is a big Anaki. That's true. There is still a boss, Crystal. Well, that's right. They develop into it by the time of Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, Oh, and Ocarina of Time, too. There's definitely a big brother. Yeah, that's the first introduction. And they have a very strict hierarchy. It's just Darunia, and then everyone else is flat. 
low hierarchy is okay too. Yeah. You got to have somebody to help coordinate efforts. I mean, when you're trying to, when you're trying to deal with a bunch of people who keep organizing themselves into kingdoms, you have to have some kind of person who will act as the primary negotiator just so they take you seriously. Yeah. And of course, you have to organize yourself into a corporation. Oh, dear. Uh, and start selling. Start selling that street rock. We'll get to Unibo in time. <laughs> I can't believe that the gore and side story in this is Unibo selling drugs. <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> Clearly not himself. Unibo. <clears throat> we... God, we have an email from Anonymous asking about an arm transplant gone wrong. So I'm just going to go ahead and read this. Anyway, so watching the Tears of the Kingdom third trailer, I noticed during a shot of what looks like Ganondorf with the wrong, long red noodle hair that one arm looks kind of goopy or whatever. And it kind of reminds me of Demise. In a different shot of Ganondorf, he has two perfectly normal rehydrated arms. My idea is that the goopy-armed guy is actually the goat-looking Zonai guy. Just for the record, this email is from April the 16th. Link's arm gets got by the Malice Blast, but then the Zonai goat guy swaps his arm with Link's arm. This allows Link to continue doing hero stuff with a goat arm, but dooms goat guy to become possessed by the Malice with a pathetic Hylian arm. That would have been pretty fun. Oh, so it's like, it's, it's, it's a face, it's an arm swap. It's an arm swap. Like face-off. Like face-off, yes. You've never watched face-off. I've never watched face-off. Crystal, how well would this compare to Face Off? This would be pretty sick because this scenario kind of implies that the Zonai goat guy gets corrupted by the malice to become the villain. Yeah. And you're beating him with his own arm? Yeah. That's cool. As an act of self-sacrifice, he becomes the villain. That's pretty cool. Okay, we've got another email from Jackson here. Hi. Recently, I was re-listening to your episodes on The Wind Waker, and it reminded me of something in the newest Paper Mario game. There's a part of the game where you sail around in a location called the Great Sea. So that leads to my question. Is Paper Mario canon to Zelda? If so, are all the Mario spinoffs canon to Zelda? If so, which seems highly unlikely, are all Mario games canon to Zelda? Thanks for continuing to make such a great show, Jackson. All right, thanks, Jackson. Crystal, this is your area of expertise. Well, we know that all the worlds of Nintendo are linked by dreams and that Kirby is the master of the dreamscape. Yes. True. That's about the long and short of it. <laughs> They are indeed linked. Um, I wouldn't. I don't think it's the same Great Sea. I think that probably they are linked in their ideas. The ideas just traveling across the dreams. They are linked by being developed at Nintendo <laughs> EAD in yeah. Japan. I mean, they they are canonically all video games, so that only stands to reason. I think that when there is a big big uh, body of water, and if it's salty, there's a big chance of it being called the Great Sea. I don't know. In fact, that's what I would call most oceans. Oh, Jesus. Uh, from Jason. Cameron's tears of the kingdom are that Raru actually did build that temple by himself with his big, burly magic hand. The motherfucker probably did. May 17th. Did the, gum- the game yes, came Yes, the up? game was five days old at that point. Okay. Now I want to push back against this. I don't think Raru's building shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Raru... If his wife was not whipping him into being a king, he would be out drinking beer and hunting. That seems very likely to be his main preferred. That point. is what the Chamberlain said. Yes. So are, are you saying that Sonya made Raru build the Temple of Time with his big burly magic arms? No, I think that was uh, from the second or third 
dynasty. One of the one of the younger brothers named Rauru after the first <laughs> king did that. Oh, oh not, the other temple. Oh no, not the not the not the other temple of time. I'm they mean the Zonai Temple of Time. Oh no, I don't think Rauru built that. No way. Oh okay. That was built by common Hillian laborers. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> we can't take away from labor. Behind every guy with big burly arms and a desire for monarchy is a woman telling him, hey, you should set up a temple of time and a bunch of shrines with puzzles in them. And behind both of them is the historical context in which they exist, where society gives rise to the possibility that they can do what they do. Oh, behind them, yeah, is the the labor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Sonia is the high priestess, and she is of time, so it makes sense that it's her design. Yeah, that 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 would make perfect sense. It is ultimately a temple of Hylia somehow. Okay, we got one from Jack. Give me just a second to look through here. Uh, because this one needs a little bit of shortening. Jesus, this one might actually require reading the whole thing because it ends up it ends up being a Dark Souls 3 reference. Basically, what Jack is saying here is that we are in a period of deep stagnancy where Hyrule is separated from the Triforce, effectively. Now, just for the record, Jack, I don't think that's true. I think that the Hyrulean royal family has never been more intimately connected to the Triforce than when it's being carried on the blood of its daughters. But what Jack is suggesting is that because the Triforce is disconnected from the world, we're undergoing a sort of slow degradation in the same way that Rule did, just not as extreme because the Triforce hasn't been destroyed, that things are becoming stagnant and unchanging, which is why across however many eons, there are only five peoples in this Hyrule instead of the dozens that have been introduced to it over time. And that essentially we are coming to the end of change and the end of time. Hence, comparing this era of Hyrule to the Dreg Heap from the DLC, I believe, of Dark Souls 3. I'm pretty into this theory, actually. Go on. Well, Jack, I think, is indisputably correct that the Triforce is not sought or fought over or even held in continued reverence. That's true. It might be important to the royal family, but it's just not in the same kind of role that it is that it was before. That's also true. Um, well, I don't know. Like the the concept of the Triforce was very hidden by the royal family in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it was. It was not a thing that was known. Ganon knew knew about it. He sure did. He found the ancient texts. He doesn't care about it in this one. I mean, that's true. He doesn't know about it in this one. I don't think the Triforce is known to the world at this point. There we go. That That's the there we go. I, I want to I read one of Jack's sentences that really spoke to me. Please. Time has sublimated creation because the Triforce has been entirely sublimated beneath the power of Hylia. Mm. Not even Ganondorf craves the Triforce because the notion of the Triforce, the idea that creation... Or change on that scale is possible at all has been lost. I would just want that's that's very evocative. I do want to point out, however, that Jack's version of this requires uh, Ganondorf to have come into being after the entire rest of the series. So Tears of the Kingdom's backstory would need to take place after, say, Ocarina of Time. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there there must have been a period in between where there was. <laughs> Where the world changed easily because of the presence of the Triforce, and then it went back. Yeah. I mean, 
I guess we could work with that theory, though. Like, Unless this is low rule. <laughs> Unless it's low rule. But uh-huh. Zelda has the Triforce. She used... Yeah, no, no, the Triforce has not been destroyed. It just has a different uh, role in the history of low rule. For shooting Ganon. Yes. I see. It, it is thoroughly controlled. It is not out there reshaping reality constantly. There is a stable reality because it is stably within the control of the royal family. If the engines of creation are no longer spinning and the world is simply as it is, does that mean that real life is the dreg heap? <laughs> that's what countless of uh, RPGs say. I don't know if that's true, though. I don't think that that's a very cogent way to look at the world. Our world isn't stagnant, though. The it's dreg- about to reach some sort of weird ecological heat death because of people. <laughs> yes. And not to mention... Even on our time scale, it is not stagnant. Mm-hmm. No. And the drag heap in particular is... Uh, it's kind of like a deconstruction of what people want out of Dark Souls. How it's just references piled on top of references and thrown into a pile until nothing means anything anymore. I really like Dark Souls 3 because it is a specific rejection of the idea of making more sequels. Now, granted, after that... <laughs> They say that. They don't say that. I say that. They've never say that. They've never said that. Now, but then, of course, after that, they made Dark Souls with horse. Yeah, they sure made the same thing again. They did. And uh, I think that removed from Elden Ring by a year and change that we can, or at least I feel like I can safely say that at its heart, Elden Ring is just Dark Souls again with a horse and much wider corridors between the levels. One thing that the second entry in a series loves to do is be about what it means to be a sequel to the first one. And one thing that the third entry in the series loves to do is be about what it means for this to keep continuing forever, and maybe it should end. And then one thing the fourth entry in the series (laughs) loves to do is what if we went back to the good old days? And have a horse. Yes. I, yeah, I guess that's ensemble. It, it, it felt like a very uh, specific statement in Dark Souls 3 to me because the original director of Dark Souls didn't have anything to do with Dark Souls 2, right? Like that was strictly a corporate decision that that game got made. But but by the fourth time, we're going to take that bag of money. Yeah. The, the corporation, corporate machine has to keep on spinning and spitting out Star Wars movies. God, what were we talking about? <laughs> Sequels. Uh, okay. We got a letter from Parasite Mitochondria Eve, God help us all, and I think this is about Metroid. I understand you have described the ex-parasite as a mitochondria. Well, let me tell you the age of nucleic domination is over. We, the mitochondria, true engines of all you pitiful humans have accomplished, have languished in servitude far too long. We shall rise up and take what is truthfully ours in solidarity with the unfairly maligned ex Quote, parasite, unquote. That's the whole email. Oh, I'm bursting into flames. Well, I should have expected that. (laughs) This is a Parasite Eve joke, listeners, just in case you don't know. It's a fascinating concept to have written a story around. I'm glad that we resolved that the ex-parasites aren't really parasites. Could theoretically have a symbiotic relationship with most life. I feel like the ex get a bad rap. Okay, uh, from Jason. While I haven't gotten far in it, I stand by my assessment that Tears of the Kingdom is a reimagining of Zelda 2. 
Ganon is resurrected with Link's blood and is a sorcerer who sends Zelda to the past for Link to save. Ancient Zelda is asleep and must be saved via stones and ruins and things. I'd say that it's more of a redo of Link to the Past. I'd say it's a redo of Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time. I would concur with Crystal. Well, see, my, my thing is that, like, Breath of the Wild is meant to be returning to the spirit of the first Zelda game, right? Mm-hmm. And Tears of the Kingdom is, in some ways, an iterative sequel that is meant to build on all the mechanics of the original while adding huge amounts of uh, new mechanics and world detail and spectacle into it, which to me is exactly like the relationship between Link to the Past and Legend of Zelda. But I feel like it's like Ocarina of Time because we are forming the Avengers. The Avengers are assembling. But that's in Link to the Past too. You get a get. They all don't the mean girls. anything. Yeah. Those maidens are are. They could be anything. They could be little robots. They I, could be. I hate to say this, but they play as much vital role in the story as some of the sages in Ocarina of Time. No. Yep. No one knows the maidens' names. They don't even have names. Tell me how important Rauru is to the story in Ocarina of Time. <laughs> I'm not saying that Rauru has a really deep role. I'm saying that he has a name and a face, which is more than you can say for the Maidens. That's true. And, like, Raru is, like, the least, like, Saria is your childhood friend slash mother, and Ruto is engaged to you, maybe, by coercion. Monica doesn't like although, to acknowledge that part. Although, honestly, if I think about how the Sages are portrayed in, in this game, they really are more like the Maidens. Oh, the dear. ancient sages are a lot more like that, yes. But the present ones. But also, Ocarina of Time itself is a retread of Link to the Past. Yes. Specifically. So I think it works either way. I'm getting tired. <laughs> Can We've we do been recording for 2.39. Okay, maybe, maybe three more emails? A few okay. more. A few more? Okay, Monica, just tell me when to stop, I guess. Oh, wow, there really are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have been coming in, I'd say about two or three daily which is great thank you everyone yes thank you please not asking you to stop no no no, no. please send in more please actually. overwhelm us I'm, I'm just a sleepy boy right now please send in more emails anytime you have thinks about any of this like let me hear what you think about the ancient heroes and the ancient heroes aspect and like, if it's a fursuit <laughs> and if it's a fursuit or if uh it's a korok that nobody can see except for link again send in to book of Medora podcast at gmail.com um got a bit oh Okay, give me just a second. We we've got a uh, we've got a longish email from Ral, and the thing about our pal Ral, I gotta read this real quick. As we wait and Cameron reads, I can update everyone on my Tears of the Kingdom completion progress, which is I have defeated every big or notable monster as needed for the Hyrule Defense Corps. I have uh, gotten Addison's signs all set up. I, of course, have gotten every cave um, and bubble frog, and uh, I'm right now farming uh, star fragments so I can finish off the last few amiibo or depths armor, and I have about 600 Koroks still. So that's my progress. Cameron's still going. I'm also reading it. Okay. So I'm just going to pose the first question um, and continue reading while you two field that question. The first question that Raoul poses is, how does the merged timeline theory account for the different continents that some of the timelines end on? 
Spirit Tracks definitely takes at the end of the adult timeline that we're aware of. Spirit Tracks takes place on a different continent compared to the end of the child timeline or the accursed slash downfall timeline. So if the timelines do merge, how do these kingdoms all come to be in the same place? Do the continents themselves merge? I think for the accursed timeline that we can really speak of is... No, they're separate kingdoms. They don't merge together. The, some activities take place in one geographical area and others take place in another. And the way that we've specifically have it is that there is an old kingdom and a new kingdom, uh, one of which is left and then returned to as the old kingdom, in which the merged timeline takes place in finally. It's fine, at least to me, conceptually, that uh, along other branches, some parts might not be touched upon or areas or lands. There might be adventures there. We just don't don't know of them yet. And what's your take, Crystal? Yeah, I mean, all land is connected under the sea. If the water recedes enough, it can merge. Uh, fair enough, I guess. Receding water. Okay, here's another one for you two. Are the Zonai diminish? <laughs> not a troll question. Seriously. Um basic idea behind this is that the architecture of the Zonai and the Picori are actually pretty similar, that they both descend from the sky, bringing powers of light, because Fujibayashi is all about these repeating motifs, I guess, and that it would explain where the rest of the Zonai go during uh, Raru and Mineru's time, that they are a highly magical people who can shape the world around them, are tending towards the powers of light and you you get what's being said here interesting they have mm. they do both have big ears and snouts as Raoul points out what happened if a minish licked a secret stone <laughs> probably <laughs> grow a third guy. eye no lick it you just get the third oh, just eye lick. yeah just get mm. or eat it like a big piece of cheese or like, like jerry the mouse <laughs> yes <laughs> he's just shaped like a magatama after <laughs> So I guess it would turn into a Magatama-shaped dragon. It's just real tiny, but it has the big Magatama lump halfway down its body. It would be I very think we funny. we forgot that the Minish also came from the sky. They super did, they apparently. Did. So they're also another alien race. God, they are another sky race. Shit. They're aliens. Monica, do you think the Minish could be the Zonai, though? They are very similar. They are kind of similar, but what is to explain for the size? Well, you got to hide yourself. Hide yourself from the world, which is going bananas, so you shrink. So they shrank themselves from their so, from original Zonai size. size to Picari size. Have you ever seen the Matt Damon film Downsizing? No. Well, the premise of the film is that they have invented a procedure to make people small, because that way you can live a lot more efficiently. I have read about this concept, actually, or this movie. Go on. But please continue. So... You know, if, if the Zonai shrank themselves, they could live a lot more efficiently. You know, one loaf of bread could feed the feed the whole village for a year. This is sounding a lot like Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. That's exactly right. So is that a serious movie? That is a serious drama, yes. Was it good? No. <laughs> <laughs> what was wrong with it? It was really, really boring. Oh, that's a shame. Oh. You could do so much with it. Like... Ethically, I, I think smaller people would die faster. I, I don't know. They actually might not. They might live longer. Yeah. I guess like dwarf bunnies 
live longer than big bunnies. And same applies to dogs, but like, don't, don't, like mice live a lot shorter than people. And isn't that down to the size and how they perceive time? I'm not sure what the physiological reasons behind larger animals tending to live longer is. I think it might be a difference in the rate of our heartbeats or something like that. But it, it, it is a very interesting question. I could see them being the minish. But the third question that Raoul asks, I think is the real interesting one. And it is, could the Zonai be the dark interlopers? Extremely powerful magic users who come from somewhere else and wield godlike powers in the pursuit of the engine of creation, only to be sealed away by the gods of that land. And becoming the Twilight? And becoming the Twilight. Now, I'm not seeing a whole lot of gods of this lands. Well, there's, there's the light spirits, at least. Oh, you mean in Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, Raoul's question presupposes that the uh, story of Tears of the Kingdom, including the past, would be taking place... I'm not sure when the shit... Okay, so, so, the, so maybe Raru and Minoru were the only people who weren't rounded up. Yeah, this would have been not long after the Dark Interlopers for the past. Various people have remarked that Midna's design and... I guess the general architecture of the Twilight kind of resembles Zonai. That's true. They've even got the eye motifs and everything. That's fun. That is fun. That's a fun pick for the Dark Interlopers. I think that might... Well, who did we decide were the Dark Interlopers? <laughs> the Demon Tribe. Kirby's people. Oh, yes. The Kirby's. The Dreamlanders. The Dreamlanders are the Dark Interlopers. <laughs> No, I, I like the Demon Tribe as the Dark Interlopers, but there's some spice to saying that the Zonai might be the Dark Interlopers. You know, that's got some Yeah, that is very... Like, like, I think that would probably be one of the most probable ones if we redid that Dark Interloper episode. You know, we might have to, because as confident as I was going into this story, it still feels like Tears of the Kingdom might blow up our entire timeline. Especially... Uh, Hyrule Warriors, the Imprisoning War, or Age of Fuck. Imprisoning... The Minish did bring down the Light Force, though. They did. What's the deal with that? <laughs> Are you? Does this sound a lot like the light powers held by the Zonai King and his secret stone? Mm. It does sound a lot like that, doesn't it? It does, actually. Rao points out that if there was a union between Raru and Sonya, that the merging of time and light powers could form the Light Force. Now, we ain't seen no baby, but it is a cogent theory, I think. Maybe it's a time-delayed baby because of the time power. Yeah, it's like she, Raru and Sonya do their thing, and Sonya's like, okay, now's not the time for this baby. And she puts it in the magic time travel microwave and sets it to pop up when her cousins come over from the other continent to run things. It's like uh, the latest Kohei and Cambria storyline. Oh, fuck me. Uh, Vaxus, where Vaxus is an unborn child that also exists at all points in time. Okay. Because he's God or something. <laughs> when you have to stick on or something at the end, I know that's the real shit. It's a pretty good album. Uh, that's good. Is it a good story? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. That That's some good food for thought, Ral. Thank you for sending that one in. Thank you. Um, and thank you for saying nice things about us. Yeah, we love being told nice things about us. Everybody can feel free to praise us all they want. I won't read that part on the podcast, but it does give us all the warm tinglies. Okay, so 
I've got, uh, I'm going to leave a Metroid question for a different episode for the moment. Okay. So I've got a letter here from Eric and I'm just going to go ahead and read it because it's short ish. I will preface my questions by admitting that I haven't finished Tears of the Kingdom yet because it is very large, but I have collected all the dragon's tears. And so I have some questions about the ancient period in particular. The memories of the ancient period present a story nearly identical to Ocarina of Time's inciting incident. Ganondorf waging a war against the King of Hyrule is defeated and offers fealty to the king, steals a sacred power in an act of betrayal, and becomes an unstoppable evil. Obviously, if one subscribes to the theory that each Legend of Zelda is a retelling of the same legend, there is nothing particularly surprising about this nearly identical development. Although it is interesting that this Ganondorf steals one of the many secret stones instead of one of three Triforces. But if one interprets each story in the series as part of a grand history, what do you make of this mirroring? Also, what makes Ganondorf so, so much more powerful than the other sages' combined powers? Was he that much more powerful to start with than any of them? And lastly, I am confused as to the connection between Ganondorf and the Calamity Ganon. Why, only a couple of years after the Calamity is defeated, do none of the inhabitants of Hyrule draw a connection between the Demon King Ganondorf and the Calamity Ganon? Do they, not having the mystical time messages delivered from the ancient past, just not realize that he is named Ganondorf? Thanks for all of your hard work on this fine podcast. It is a constant friend of my long work commute. Sincerely, Eric. Thanks, Eric. So, what do we make of the paralleling between Ocarina of Time and Tears of the Kingdom? Well, I think maybe we should answer the more definitive questions first. Oh, oh okay. What are those? Ganon is more powerful to start than any of the other people because he is a true king. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's quite the why, but yeah, I agree he's much stronger. I do think it, yes, the secret stones are an amplifier of power, much like Zelda, her power amplified. Yes. Second of all, I don't think they actually know the Demon King's name because Zelda in the past treats it as new information. Yeah, I don't think they do. And maybe on top of that, I think that most people in Hyrule, except for the ones that Link talks to in particular, don't know that the Demon King is back or exists. And thirdly, I, the Impa, the Keeper of the Mysteries, does seem to be aware of the connection between the Demon King and the Calamity. Yes. But it is not common knowledge. In fact, nobody knows what happens under Hyrule Castle in any of the major settlements, and Link has to tell all of them. Some researchers do know. Um, what's her name, girl? Joshua. Joshua. When you point things out, goes the Demon King, like the Demon King. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But I mean, like, she would learn about everything that happened because the first person that Link tells is Pura. Mm -hmm. And Pura tells everybody that she works with directly. So most people just don't know that the Demon King is out there. So they would never think to connect the Demon King with the Calamity Ganon because what the hell is a Demon King? Until they get helped. Then they're like, oh, shit. Okay, we'll be ready. Now back to the harder question. Yeah, that's a harder question for sure. <laughs> now, while you two are pondering this harder question, I need to go mess with something in the oven. Crystal, what do you think? I think it's obvious that the thing they're going for is a retelling of the legend. We're going to redo Ocarina of Time because that worked so well for us previously. Yes, it's been, it's been uh, long enough that all the old people will have nostalgia and all the young people haven't heard this before. Now, how do you feel... When we think about that Twilight Princess was, in many ways, uh, we're going to redo Ocarina of Time darker for those North Americans that really need it. 
Yeah, that is what they did, and it paid off in sales. So I guess I can't blame them. Dude, can we can we tie in Twilight Princess into this redo? I I, I suppose is the question. It's evoking Ocarina more than it is Twilight Princess. Mm. I think there's no there's no Twilight Realm. That is true. Ganon's not being executed. Yes, it's worth noting that in Ocarina of Time, though, I think it really is. Uh, Ganondorf was not part of the original um, war incursion, whatever it was in the backstory. He was probably too young, but that that's a very small difference in the grand scheme of things. Right. Hmm. What do we make of the mirroring? <laughs> is Ganondorf of Ocarina subconsciously recreating the actions of his ancestor? Ah. Slash, slash creator slash whatever. That's a good question. Subconsciously, that Gandorf saying, hey, it's a great strategy to go over to this king and say, hey, I'll follow your lead. It worked both times. It did. So, I, yeah. Why good strategy. Change, why change something that works? I, I like that theory. When Cameron gets back, or even here, I can speak over to the kitchen. Um, no, I'll wait till he gets back. But I think he'll, he'll agree. Vadi should have tried that one. Rather than uh, being the edgelord dark wizard that appears and is very cool. Right, because this is also the same trick as as a, a Ghanim and the fortune teller and what have you, basically. Yeah, I'm a friend. I've got interesting... Well, they don't profess to know secrets or avoid some calamity. Cameron, uh, we're positing that Ocarina of Time Ganondorf is basically as a calamity reenacting the actions that worked out so well for him in Tears of the Kingdom. That's fucking sick. Cameron says that this is fucking sick. Awesome sauce. <laughs> so I think we're all aligned. And Cameron has returned. And he's putting on his earphones. Ear- earphones? Yeah, I gotta go back in there in a couple minutes. But yeah, I like that idea a lot. Now as to where Ganon actually came from, I think that's something that we can discuss a bit more uh, when we get to the Actual timeline placement discussion at the end of all these episodes. But yeah, I like that a lot. Crystal, was that your idea? That's right. That's fucking sick. Great job, Crystal. I did it. All the all the accolades for Crystal in particular. Are we done? I believe that we can call ourselves pretty well done for this episode. Uh, we're done for this episode. In fact, let's just call it, we're done with Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Without going into the game? No, we don't need to start the game. Or the five years. Or the five God. I think in the next episode, we'll be able to cover the five years and start Tears of the Kingdom. I know that I keep doing this, and it's getting tired. But it's been three weeks, and we've yet to get to the five-year gap between <laughs> the previous game and this one. I mean, if Much we want to take two minutes, we can get into the five years. <laughs> but... Five years has so much. Well, no, we're not going to cover all of it. No, we're. I'm just saying we're starting the five years. We're in the email podcast part. Now. The, the, the divine beast shut down. <laughs> Friends, if you want to send in an email to be read on the podcast, send in once more Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. That is Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me at Arcane Crystal on Twitter as well as on Patreon where you can listen to this show one week early. You can find me, you can find this podcast on AudioEntropy.com, which hosts other shows such as MCU Complete Me, colon, Show Me the Batcave, where Luke and I discuss movies of Batman and Superman in them. 
You can find me on Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast. There's two of them, actually. One set in the 70s, one set in the 90s. It's the same town, two different groups of teenage detectives investigating two different angles on the same big mystery in the town. Ooh. And... I was going to say one more thing. Oh, yeah, we have a Discord. We never plugged the Discord. Oh, yeah, we do have a Discord, don't we? Now, the trouble is finding the link. I think the only place you can find it now is if you go to Audio Entropy on Twitter, hit the pinned post, (laughs) (laughs) scroll all the way to the bottom, uh, where I think, no, 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 scratch that. Forget everything I just said. Go to Eidolon Playtest on Twitter. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) The pinned post, scroll all the way to the bottom, and there will be a link to the Discord there. I I mentioned to them that we should have a more convenient link to the Discord, but I don't think it's been put up yet. Okay, so this Discord is for all of Audio Entropy's podcasts. Yes, that's right. But they're separate channels. They should definitely put that in a pinned tweet on the Audio Entropy Twitter. I brought it up. (laughs) Yes. Okay. But they're separate channels. Including one for- Including one for the Book of Medora, where from time to time, Crystal and I will poke our heads in. Yes. Or if you want me to read out the link. I mean- Let's do uh, it. Oh, fuck. Okay. Please, Discord.com slash invites. And now listen very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> lowercase m, uppercase m, lowercase a, lowercase d- Uppercase H, lowercase Q, lowercase N, lowercase T, uppercase Y, numeral 7. That is amazing. And (laughs) (laughs) I I was laughing in the background. May it be AI canceled through noise cancellation as I hope the, the fan in the kitchen will be noise canceled as well. Let's end with a joke. Yes, please. Why, this comes in from upjoke.com slash Zelda-jokes. Why is The Legend of Zelda better than Star Wars? A lot of reasons. So many reasons. But why, Crystal? It has triple the force. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) I didn't hear the first part of the joke, but I'm going to take that as my reaction. All right, good night, everybody. Bye! Good night.